2: Oh, did you expect somebody else? Well, he's gone. So like a junkie waiting for his or her next fix, I suggest you all soak this up while you can, because this is the last time you will ever see a trace of Jeff Hardy here on Friday Night SmackDown ever again.
3: And that means... no more... ridiculous
2: face paint. That means... no more stupid armbands. And it certainly means no more excuses. Now that the charismatic enabler is gone, I can see it on your faces. You're all wondering if his living in the moment life of excess was the answer. And the clear answer is it wasn't. See, I know you're all not strong enough to be like me. I see it every day. I know how completely weak all of you people really are. But now, at least, you all have a champion you can be proud of. A Straight Edge World Heavyweight Champion. Now that Jeff's gone, I'm the only one that's strong enough to reach out to you and pull you up from your downward spiraling life. I certainly won't ever miss a show because of an incident at an airport. I certainly won't ever skip a Wrestlemania because I failed a test. Unlike Jeff, I'm built to last, and I am here to stay. So if you're gonna emulate any WWE superstar, the choice is extremely clear. It's the choice of a new generation, and his name is CM
4: Punk. CM Punk 2009, we'll get into the full promo later, but man, did he troll the fans that night. You know, I don't like excessive camera shots into the crowd, but going back and watching that, look at all of the women and the children, like with anger, like real, real, real deep anger on their faces. I mean, there was like 50,000 Ms. girls in the crowd that were all angry because CM Punk came out with uh, Jeff Hardy's music, dressed as Jeff Hardy, ink like Jeff Hardy, mannerisms. Everybody thought it was Jeff Hardy for a few moments. And then the scathing promo that followed, oof, boy. And you know, before we go any further, I got to throw this out there. I'm not in any way, shape, or form making any allegations, not making any accusations. I'm just throwing it out there. You follow entertainment, sports, politics. You see politicians who are the most vocal against corruption, and then they ultimately are busted for corruption themselves. You have entertainers, male entertainers, who are the most outspoken against abuse towards women, and then they get busted for abuse towards women. You have athletes in sports who are very outspoken against the use of steroids, and then they get busted for using steroids themselves. Do you ever think, in the back of your mind, that one day we may find out that CM Punk wasn't as much straight edge as we thought he was. Again, not accusing, not alleging, but always thought in the back of my mind, you know, the rigor of his work and everything, you kind of feel like, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of aid here and there, but just figured I'd throw it out there. It's up, everyone? Episode 36, This Week in Wrestling History. I am Don Tony, as always. This week, we cover the period of September 4th through September 10th. Boy, do we have a lot of audio clips to share this week. You know, not your 20, 30-minute clips like in the past, but I would say probably 20 clips that are like 5 minutes, 7 minutes, 3 minutes, 8 minutes. I think the longest clip talks about Jared King Lawler's heart attack because that did happen this week in history, but... When we get to that, we'll cover it. Let's get right into it, shall we? 1980, Giant Baba defeats Harley Race to win the NWA World Heavyweight title. And if you've been following this show throughout the year, you get to realize that other than Harley Race and Ric Flair having long title reigns uh, around this era, you know, anyone else that won a title lost it almost immediately, and it's no different for Giant Baba. He had the title less than one week because this same week in wrestling history, Giant Baba lost the belt back to Harley Race. This same week, 1980, the Wild Samoans defeated Tony Garea and Rene Goulet to win the vacated WWWF tag titles If you remember not too long ago We covered the showdown at Shea The WWF event Where Bob Backlund and Pedro Morales Defeated the Samoans for the tag titles And because Backlund was the heavyweight champ He had to relinquish the tag titles It became vacant They finally filled the vacancy This week in 80 You had your new tag champs Which were the Wild Samoans They got them back So there you go 1984 you know, we've been talking in recent episodes as far as WWF invading TBS in 1984. Black Friday, Black Saturday, whatever the fuck it was. Well, it was this week in 84 that fans tuned in to TBS and they got the intro to Championship Wrestling from Georgia. WWF was no longer invading TBS. It was now back in the possession of Georgia Championship Wrestling and fans were elated. I remember as a kid tuning into TBS and finding it a little bit cool and surreal that WWF was on. I honestly don't remember tuning into this particular week and seeing Georgia Championship Wrestling back on. I honestly will tell you I don't remember that. But it was an important moment. Uh you know, fans were in an uproar with WWF. And you know, you go back and you look at the episodes, they weren't all that great. I mean look, I've been a diehard WWF fan since a kid. Sure, the product isn't as good what it used to be, but still, at that time, as a very, very young kid and just a wrestling fan and loving everything you see, I even thought those episodes at the time were, in some cases, the drizzling shits. Plus, you got to understand, I always watched wrestling on Saturday night, Saturday morning. Sometimes you get it on Telemundo. I don't know if it was Telemundo at that time, but, you know, so you got TBS, and it didn't feel like you got anything really different, so... 1987, WWF holds their king of the ring. And, um, you know, if anybody follows websites, you know, this is another clear case of people not checking their history. How many of you that visit websites that saw this king of the ring from 1987 where Randy Savage won? Randy Savage won the King of the Ring 1987 in the finals. He defeated King Kong Bundy. And how many times have you read places that this was the birth of the Macho King? That is so untrue and wrong. The fact is, Macho Man Randy Savage did not become Macho King until 1989. And he didn't even win King of the Ring in 89 to become Macho King. He actually defeated King Duggan who was crowned king because he beat King Haku. So it's just, it's really sad. I mean, it really is. I mean, I when we get into a title change later on, I saw a bunch of places, cause I do a lot of research as well and I do go on other websites, I see comparison and I check and I confirm and I this and that, but that's where, you know, you put in your own work and there was a title change earlier and I was like, wait a minute, did you like forget what transpired right after this title change? So it's pretty sad. But anyway, um, if you're just curious as far as some of the matches from the 87 King of the Ring, because this was the early days of King of the Ring. First round match results. Haku over Brutus Beefcake. Rick Martel over Dan Spivey. King Kong Bundy over the one-man gang. SD Jones over Seeker. Go fucking figure. Danny Davis over Tito Santana. Then you add Jim Brunzel over Ron Bass and Randy Savage over Nikolai Volkov. Uh, A non Tournament match, Junkyard Dog over Tama. Quarterfinals, Rick Martell fought Haku to a 15-minute time limit draw. As a result, they are both eliminated to the next round. King Kong Bundy, who defeated SD Jones, gets a bye as a result. Danny Davis over the junkyard door. Go fucking figure. Randy Savage over Jim Brunzel, which leads us to the semifinals. Randy Savage over Danny Davis. Remember, King Kong Bundy did not have an opponent because Martel and Haku were eliminated. And in the finals, you have Randy Savage defeating King Kong Bundy. There you go 1990 Kevin Nash Makes his pro wrestling debut Took place For WCW Clash of the Champions 12 In Asheville, North Carolina If you've never seen this gimmick Do a Google image search He was part of the Master Blasters He was Master Blaster Steel He teamed up with Master Blaster Iron They defeated Brad Armstrong And Tim Horner And you know I, I don't think Master Blaster Iron Lasted more than one match. This was a very short gimmick for Kevin Nash, but just do the Google image search. Look at the physique. I originally had this photo in the synopsis for this week, but because the gimmick was so short-lived, I ended up putting a different photo in a synopsis in place of that. But if you just want to see Kevin Nash's physique in 1990, I think it'll fucking blow you away. I mean, he's always been in great physical condition. Um, In latter years as well I mean after the Magic Mike stuff I mean you'd see what shape he's in He's phenomenal But go look in 1990 Other matches on Class of Champions And we do have an audio clip in a moment The Southern Boys, Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers Over the Freebirds uh, Mike Rotundo over Buddy Landell. The Master Blasters, as I said earlier, defeated Brian Armstrong and Tim Horner. Nasty Boys over Jackie Fulton and Terry Taylor. Tommy Rich over Wild Bill Irwin. Susan Sexton over Bambi. The Steiners over Maximum Overdrive, which was Tim Hunt and Jeff Warner. Stan Hansen over Tom Zink. Lex Luger over Rick Flair by DQ to retain the NWA U.S. Championship. And in the main event for the NWA World Heavyweight title... You remember a couple of weeks ago, the Black Scorpion. We played the audio. Sting, nineteen eighty-six. Sting. Ooh. Well, now Sting finally wrestles the Black Scorpion, so he thinks he's in the ring. The Black Scorpion is in the ring, and you know when you follow this storyline, you realize how corny it is, especially when you pay attention of the physiques the difference of physiques of the black scorpions. And obviously the only way you could get around that is you had to keep making it look like that the black scorpion was trolling Sting. Just when Sting thought he was in the ring with the black scorpion, it really wasn't the black scorpion. It was a different black scorpion. But the funny thing about it is, how do you know who's the real black scorpion and who's not the real black scorpion? You know, So when you listen to the commentators over the months and they're saying, that's the real black scorpion, how the fuck do you know? How the fuck do you know, really? And ultimately, we knew that the Black Scorpion was revealed to be Ric Flair. And, you know, it was what it was. But still, at this point, Sting is defending the NWA World Heavyweight Champion against the Black Scorpion. This is class of champions. It was, um, I don't want to say an interesting storyline at the time. I don't remember many people shitting on it. But, you know, a lot of things that they had to do. To have it lead up to Ric Flair was kind of hokey. But here you go. Here's a little audio highlight. The closing moments of Sting versus the Black Scorpion at Class of Champions. And uh, you get what you get.
5: I think the Scorpion would not only like to beat him, but he would like to hurt him if he can. He would like to injure him. And I think if he feels like he does that, Sting will never forget who
2: he is. He's got him up on that rampway and slams him right outside puts his foot right into the throat of the world's heavyweight champion and the mysterious black scorpion, a man who said, fans, in 1986, he was a man from Sting's past. He's from California, but we still don't know if Sting's going for the mask again. Trying to unlace it from behind and the black scorpion again reacting and getting back to the ring. kick by the champion and the champions got him reeling now sting and his earth patrol his kids for ecology i'm sure they're watching by the thousands as he tears that tarzan like and it automatically stimulates a reaction from the fans he may be near to unmasking him now fighting fire with fire. He knows he's in for a brawl here. A real street fight, black environment. As the black scorpion again, buries a kick to the midsection. And the world's champion from Venice, Beach, California is on the ropes literally
6: and the hands of the black scorpion. You're not knowing anything
2: about your opponent. I don't care how great you are in any sport when you don't know who your opponent is and what it's like, it's hard to prepare for him. It's hard to get ready for a match like that. like the NFL or the Red Hot Falcons know they're going to play Houston or they know they're going to play the Lions. Sting did not have the opportunity to scout. Sting reverses the whip to the ropes. He's got him up. Sting is weakened, but he still extends the arms and slams the Black Scorpion. The masked man now feeling the pain and the stinger up top. A high-risk move by the champion of the world. That pays off, a cross-body pass. This may be all, one, two, the, he's, he's powerful, Bobby. He oh, man, out. yeah, son of a gun, I thought that was it. Snap mare by the masked man. Drops the knee right to the throat area, pull the chest, one, two. A championship of the world, the undisputed heavyweight championship. Anybody can have a belt made, a world champion, but none of them can say the third champion dates back to 1905, and that's what the NWA can that's say. Great. A number of great athletes have worn that championship belt too, Jim, down through the years. A lot of regional champions, only one world champ. He's the guy with the pink boots on, the black tights, and just line, the black scorpion. The intensity in Sting's face. Here comes that Stinger.
6: he got it! The end may be near! Battle Two one, two, three!
2: Right, Jim, at this point, he's uh, he's going to unmask. He says, take it off. Let's see who you are, guy. He's going for the laces. We're going to find out right here. He won the match with a stinger. He's got another mask on. He's got another mask what on. What the heck is that? He said if he lost. Wait a minute, Jim. What's that coming down the ramp? Look. Bob, look at the back. In the back back there, what a, hey, look at Sting, look at Jim, who is that? What is that? My God, the, that that's the, Scorp- that's is the that? Black scorpion. That's oh, the black scorpion. That's the black scorpion. Who in the heck was he wrestling? Who was the man that look at Sting, he's stunned! Total astonishment by the champion of the world. Is that the black scorpion? The black scorpion I thought he was wrestling. Yeah. The black, there's the black scorpion on the ramp for Jim we're just as stunned, everybody in the arena is just as stunned as Sting is. Sting just had one heck of a match, he won the match to retain the world title, but there is the black scorpion. And we're back here live, ladies and gentlemen, from Asheville. I think we can all say congratulations to The Stinger for retaining the World's Heavyweight Championship. However, it was a great match. Quite obviously, by the looks of the man that was on the the rampway, you did not beat the black scorpion in the ring. The guy on the rampway has to be the black scorpion. What's going on? What kind of mind game is this man attempting to play? Rossi, I feel about the same way I did just going into this match. I came here to accomplish something. I did not accomplish it. Still don't know who he is. I don't know why he wants me. I don't know why he can't just fight me man to man, take his mask off or whatever it is, just get down and dirty in the middle of the ring. I don't know what his deal is. I know that you have looked at the videotape of his interviews time and time again. He says 1986 is the key year, California is the state. You started wrestling in 86, we know you're from California. Wait just a second. We may not get to the bottom of this now. Here comes Sid Vicious. Now, wait just a second, man.
7: Let me tell you something, Steve. You think you got some problems with the Black Scorpion? I'm the man you've got problems with because I want
2: that. Sorry for the interruption, champ. Sid... I got enough on my mind as it is, just trying to figure out who the Black Scorpion is, okay? If you want a championship match against me, talk to the championship committee. I got nothing against it, but right now I'm thinking nothing but Black Scorpion until I find out who he is. Thanks, Sting.
7: I said I'm talking to you, Sting! Hey, Vicious,
2: look out from behind! Sid Vicious is attacking! Sting, we're boxed! Sid Vicious from the high, attacking Sting, hitting him now with a championship belt.
7: The Sting had his back to him. Have you lost him, mind? Shut up, Jim Ross. I want not people out that to, to you know something. I'm going to be the next world champion, the Vicious runs
4: in the coming weeks, we will play some other highlights with this storyline. It'll come to a very quick conclusion, but I can tell you, man, back then we all thought it was Ultimate Warrior. From what you knew from Sting in 86 and California this, this, and that, I mean, you couldn't help but to think that. You know, we knew also that Warrior was contracted to WWF, so we were like really confused, but When this match took place, the first thing that we all noticed was (laughs) that don't look like the Ultimate Warrior's physique. I mean, Al Perez had a decent physique. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. But the way that they pushed this and everybody thought it was the warrior and then to have Al Perez under a mask in the ring, you know, eh. Anyway, let's go to 1991. This was a very big week for the WWF. You know, they did a series of tapings that would stretch about four to six weeks on TV. But a lot of things went down this week in 1991, uh, especially for the WWF. First off, um, the NWA promotion finally strips Ric Flair of the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, Ric Flair did have the title in his possession. He wanted his deposit refunded. He did not get it. So obviously, he kept that belt for a while. It went to court. That's why things got pixelated and all that other shit. But as far as him being officially the world heavyweight champion, that was done this week in 91. And it was perfect timing because also in this week, back in 91, Ric Flair made his WWF debut. Being under contract, full-blown. Now, we know that there was vignettes hyping up his debut debut. You know, Bobby Heenan had the belt, you know, teasing it for weeks and weeks and weeks. So we finally get Ric Flair in the WWF. And Vince McMahon in the WWF immediately went balls out with Ric Flair. Yes, he did not battle Hogan right away, but he called out Hogan right away. He had a feud with Roddy Piper, very memorable at the time, and he went right at Piper as well. We will get into some audio highlights of Ric Flair in 1991 in a moment. A couple other things I want to mention first. Um, that same week, actually before all this went down, you had the King of the Ring that took place in Providence, Rhode Island. First round matches, Jerry Sags over Hawk. Ted DiBiase fought Ricky Steamboat to a 15-minute time limit draw. Obviously, they both eliminated. Jim Duggan over Brian Knobs, IRS over The Berserker. Bret Hart over Pete Doherty. Skinner over Virgil. Sid Justice over The Warlord. Undertaker over Animal. Non-tournament match, Beverly Brothers over the Bushwhackers. Quarterfinal matches, IRS over Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Bret Hart over Skinner. Undertaker fought Sid Justice to a double DQ. Very important because now Bret Hart did not have to fight the winner of Undertaker and Sid Justice in the semifinals. So then in the semifinal, you had IRS over Jerry Sags and the King of the Ring tournament final, Bret Hart defeating Irwin R. Scheister. So now we get back to Ric Flair. And a couple other things also happened this week in WWF in 91. You know, a gimmick change that I know this wrestler who has done interviews even as recent as now who has expressed his disgruntledness for doing this gimmick. I know we look back on it and we didn't like it too much as well. We'll get into that a little bit later. And we also had another wrestler who had a very controversial heel change a couple of years earlier and about a year earlier and... He now was doing vignettes to turn babyface once again. But first, let's take a audio flashback to Ric Flair 1991, WWF. Three different focal points that took place this week. His original promo with Bobby Heenan on Primetime Wrestling, which I will honestly say, it's really sad that everywhere online, it's edited badly. And my only source where I could get old school promos, the quality of Shangata. So I basically put this together as best of quality as I could. But besides that promo with Bobby Heenan, he also did have a match this week for the WWF. It only lasted three minutes. And I think he fought Jim Powers. But then there was supposed to be a second match and this led to the confrontation between him and Roddy Piper and boom, right you know, into that feud that it was it was awesome. I mean Piper Flair in ninety one was a lot of fun to enjoy because a lot of it happened here on the Northeast. But you won't pick this up on the audio, but when Ric Flair has his confrontation with Roddy Piper, this is the first time ever where Vince McMahon physically gets involved in a storyline or segment. Um, yeah, I know when he interviewed Jimmy Snooker in the empty arena, Snooker's thrown around the chairs, but you know, all basically Vince McMahon was doing was, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. That's not physically involved. In this case, after Flair attacks Piper, Piper picks up a chair and he's supposed to be swinging it wildly and accidentally hits Vince McMahon in the back with the chair. Now, these days, you hit someone with a chair on TV. They just turn around and look at you like, what the fuck did you just do? But back then in 1991 and earlier, you hit someone with a chair and they felt it like they're dead. So that's basically what went down So here you go Ric Flair's debut on primetime wrestling is in-ring debut And I know, yes, he had matches You know, old school, 70s uh, We're talking about under WWF contract And then the confrontation with Roddy Piper Enjoy it
2: Everything's gonna run smooth tonight The real world champion Ric Flair's on my show He's gonna be coming through You sir, don't touch that
4: belt You nitwit, sit down,
2: do something Hey guys, keep busy, keep busy. Rick Flair's on my program like The real world's champion. You got it? Let's go. Let's get a tie that matches. What are you doing? You still working here? You're fired. Come on, come on. This way, this way, this way. <laughs> hey, hey, what are you, down that Hulk Hogan 900 number again or are you calling Dial-A-Date? Get to work, do something. And you get a haircut. Drop that ponytail. Don't you own a dress? Who dresses you? The state? Put that sweater on, cover your up someplace. I'm a little nervous tonight, I want things things to be right. Nice hat, Fold that over your face. It's a very important night. Be busy, do something. Come on, dummy, come on. I've heard enough from Rowdy Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan. Right now, I'm going to introduce the man. The man that put wrestling on the map. The man that has made... Everyone in the World Wrestling Federation, shake. The man that has made everyone here sit on the edge of their chairs, waiting for his arrival. Now, if you'll all stand, and show the proper respect, you dummy, go get the carpet, the red one, and roll it out. Let's do it right this time. Bobby what are you? What, are you what doing am here? I doing? Relax. It's not like Hulk Hogan coming
8: out. Oh, where come says, on. Here's
2: Hulk Hogan. Whoopie, big deal. I'm going to show you a proper way to introduce somebody. Oh, the royal Show treatments. it the right way. Yes. This is the royal treatment. You got it clean? Okay, move it. Off the set. Now, it's time, live and in living color, the greatest world's heavyweight champion in the history of this great sport. And it's my pleasure to introduce, you got it, the real world's champion, Rick Flair. <laughs> the fact that you are known to be one of the greatest wrestlers in the world but in the process of arriving here in the World Wrestling Federation you have incurred the wrath of not only Rowdy Roddy Piper but the World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan. Are you ready to take
0: on either of these superstars? Recognized as one of the best wrestlers in the world? Is that the way you introduced me? Well, yes. I I would agree with that statement.
9: Why don't we start from the top? First of all
2: Several months ago, the greatest mind in this sport, my close friend, Bobby Heenan and I, put together what you might call the winning package. Heenan Flair, world champion, greatest mind. And we decided that if the money was right, that Ric Flair, Instead of hollering to get in the doors of the WWF, I'd take that
9: huge step and stand right in front of the doors, <laughs> knock as hard as he could, and challenge the man <laughs> that you all recognize <laughs> as the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight
7: Champion, while Hulk Hogan. I'll get to you in a minute.
2: First of all, let me get to a guy by the name of Roddy Piper, because, Piper, before I get wound up on Hogan, you and I got a little short bit of business
7: to take care of. In my absence, the greatest mind in our sport brought my World Heavyweight Championship trophy out on national television, not to be braggadocious, not to show off, but merely to let the world know that the real world's heavyweight champion was going to be coming to the WWF. Well, lo and behold, did you think it wasn't going to happen?
9: Did you think the greatest mind in this sport would walk out here with $75,000 worth of pure gold and blow smoke? Well, if
2: you did, you were wrong. So Roddy Piper, when you took off those earphones and walked from behind that desk with your cute little skirt on
9: and walked over and spit on this and grabbed him, you put yourself in permanent retirement. Because now, Piper, <laughs> you gotta
1: wrestle the real world heavyweight champion. And if you're honest with yourself,
2: you know, Piper, you know, Piper, what the real deal is all about. What are you gonna do the first time you see Mr. Piper? What? Right across the face! I'm gonna hit you so hard,
9: Piper, your skirt's gonna fall to your ankles. <laughs> and then what are you gonna do? Who are you gonna spit on laying on your back, hot rod? Now. Excuse
2: me, Eric, I think you should mention about how many times, how many years you challenged Hulk Hogan. Unanswered.
7: For ten years, it's been two names. Hogan and Flair. Hogan, the WWF champion. Ric Flair, the world, the real world heavyweight champion. Well, now... They don't
2: know any better. They will. Now, let's bring this down to something that Hogan will have to understand. You don't ignore this. My
7: name's Ric Flair, and I'm gonna burst that bubble, big man. And henceforth, big man, Hogan, wherever you walk, in any major airport, in any department store, in any hotel lobby, the question is gonna be in your face from everyone. Can you beat Ric Flair? You're gonna have to wrestle him, Hulk. I mean, Hulk, you're our hero. You're the man. And Hogan, that's where you're going to have to look inside. You're going to have to say to yourself, "Well, yeah, am I? I don't know. Well, I know. I'm Ric Flair, and I'm the real world champion. I know. How about that, Brain? I guess
10: what I'm saying is, Hogan, put up or shut up. Hulkster,
7: another starring role
10: in Superman
2: Commander. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait for what? I want to make sure she gets the introduction right.
4: Oh. Don't blow
2: it.
4: Listen, listen now. she says anything wrong, I'll slap those full teeth out of her mouth.
7: No, 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 no,
2: Self proclaimed.
5: She did. got it
7: right. No, she, she got you it wrong. Did. Exactly right. Bimbo did it wrong. Self right. proclaimed. Yes.
3: Well, no, it doesn't matter. She's fired.
2: Suburban commando. They want they, you to want
7: to talk about suburban commando. Well, I how you you want to talk about
2: the real world champion? Well, they wanted Flair to be to do the part Hogan did in the movie. He turned it down because he wanted to defend the title. Shows you what a champion he is.
7: Huh. Thumbs down for the South Coast champion.
9: I'm not denying the man's ability, Brian. Show the belt rep. Show it, stupid. There you go. Now you watch how smooth this
2: man is. Sit back, kiddies. You're gonna learn something. Hogan, come on out from behind the sofa. You're looking at Ric Flair, the real world
7: champion. Side headlock by Jimmy Powers. Look at this, huh? Ah, nice shoulder block by the youngster.
9: That's okay.
2: Just watch. I'm, I am watching. Oh, by the way, you better listen. I got a little surprise oh, for him. Earlier on, we had a chance to look at that gaudy piece of metal.
1: I'm Rick Flair, and I'm the real world's heavyweight champion here in the WWF to take on anybody that doesn't believe
7: it. That goes for you, Piper, and especially you, Hulk Hogan. He, he picked on the two baddest guys here, Brain.
2: And don't forget, this Monday night, my guests on Primetime, not only the Warlord Slick and the Nasty Boys, but Rowdy, Roddy Piper. And I'm going to ask him what it feels like to get worked over by the real world champion, Ric Flair. You mean to get blindsided, don't you? Worked over, blindsided. Oh, there it is, the figure oh, four. Oh, slapped it off. Ring on. the bell, ring the bell.
7: The patented figure four leg lock of Ric Flair. Youngster didn't waste any time and quickly.
9: Get it right, my girl. Himself, the... he looks what?
2: He looks Rego. Rego. Whoa. Is that a so did liberaci? by the real yeah. uh, Oh wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rick Flair looking over this way, hon Yeah, I know. I know. A. A a. And listen, if he's a real. I don't want no trouble. I need a job, and I've got a job. Besides, if he's a real. World, champion. Bloody
4: other audio clips to share with you from 1991 two noteworthy things that went down this week as well Sergeant Slaughter you know turning heel having a very controversial heel turn especially when you think of Iraqi freedom and everything like that at that time well it was this week that they started filming and airing the vignettes of Sergeant Slaughter telling us that he wants his country back
10: there's only one lady in my life and her name is liberty. For over a century, she stood as the gateway to America, the beacon of hope and the light of freedom. She was here for the tired. She was here for the poor. She was here for the huddled masses who yearned to breathe free. And now she's here for me, Because I, Sergeant Slaughter, know what it's like to be without friends. I know what it's like to be without my family. And I know what it's like to be without a country. So I swear to you, in her name, I will help carry the torch for everything this great country stands for. And in the shadow of liberty, I say to you, I want
4: my country back. And he would get his country back. Babyface, and the rest is history. We also had a gimmick change this week in '91. Tito Santana. And if you listen or watch any of his interviews over the years, he will tell you he did not like the El Matador gimmick. It was corny. Because, you know, Ricky Steamboat, they called him the Dragon. You know, Kerry Von Erich, they called him the Texas Tornado. I mean, once in a while, they would name drop, you know, their actual names. But even with Tito Santana, you know, El Matador, I mean, it was just, we were in the phase of all these corny gimmicks. And um, some made the best of it, and some did not. And here is the vignette that we got this week in 91. I apologize, a little bit of static in the background. I filtered most of it out. But because this was not a popular gimmick and these vignettes were not good either, you know, not a lot of places, you know, concentrate on putting these clips online. So here is Tito Santana turning into El Matador, 1991 this week.
1: In order to excel to the heights I wish to attain in the World Wrestling Federation, I know there is something I must do. I must return to my native land. I must stand before my peers. I must look into the eye of the bull. I must come as close as possible to the menacing wreck of horns. I must know the thrill of the
7: charge of the 2,000 pound
1: beast.
9: I must hear the
7: adulation of my fans.
10: I will become the very best I can be in the World Wrestling Federation. I will become El Matador. Arriba,
5: let's do it.
4: Ah, Let's not do this. <laughs> that was not good at all, but eh, what are you going to do? 1995, WCW, first ever episode of Monday Nitro you know, we've been hyping this up the last couple of weeks. You know, it's interesting because on next week's episode, we have the debut of Sabu in WCW. I think a lot of people forget that week two of Monday Nitro, they have Sabu on TV. And he was this phenomenon in ECW, in Japan, in the indie circuit. But that's next week. We'll get into that next week. So this week, in 1995, we have, and I still remember it in my ears, the debut edition of WCW, Monday Nitro, blah, 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 blah. I tell you, you know, yes, it took place in the mall, but I enjoyed it. I remember watching this live on TV, and I thought it was fucking great. It was at the Mall of America, and, you know, you remember too, we talked about three months ago or so that they were going to have a Hulk Hogan restaurant in the Mall of America, Pasta Mania. So not only was this event scheduled to take place in Mall of America because of Monday Nitro, they were also doing this to make it the official launch of Pasta Mania, Hulk Hogan's new restaurant. But you know, at this time, this was pretty much a short show and there was only a couple of matches. Their dark match had the American males over Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater. The official card itself for Nitro, Flying Brian over Jushin Thunder which was a great match. Sting over Ric Flair by DQ. And in the main event, Hulk Hogan defeated Big Bubba Rogers to retain the WCW Heavyweight title. Big Bubba Rogers was the big boss man for those that don't know. But what was very controversial as well is the debut of Lex Luger, the surprise debut of Lex Luger. In WCW. I shouldn't say debut, his return, because he obviously wrestled for WCW and WA before. But, you know, remember, right around the July 4th holiday in 1993, you had him body slamming Yokozuna. You had the Lex Express. Last week, unfortunately, in 93, that all came to a head, and Lex Luger did not get the heavyweight title. Well, that was 1993. We're now 1995, so Lex Luger was in the WWF for two additional years leading up to now. But a lot of people, including myself, had no idea that Lex Luger was done with the WWF. And if you listen to interviews over the years, Lex Luger has said that he wishes that he would have handled, you know, the end of his contract with WWF a little bit different, but You know, that is time gone by and nothing you could do about it now. So here is the closing moments of Hulk Hogan versus Big Bubba Rogers on the first ever edition of Monday Nitro. And this leads into Lex Luger's return promo. You listen to the crowd. They were really behind Lex Luger. I mean, Lex Luger was very, very popular. I know some people never really got into his wrestling ability and this is an ad and he was a lot of fluff, but no, he actually had a big fan following back then. He had a following, you know, 5 6 years earlier than this but still it was very very um surreal to see Lex Luger just make that surprise jump and that would be the you know I, look some people think Medusa throwing the title in the trash and you know WCW revealing results was the start of Monday Night War you know Lex Luger making the jump was to me the start of the Monday Night War because this led to other people making jumps as well so here you go This week, 1995, Hogan, Bubba Rogers, Luga.
2: Hogan, firing away at Big Bubba. Big Bubba hooks the right leg. Comes up on the right of his own. And an uppercut to the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Take over now. Take over. I don't know who's boss. Bubba with knee lifts in the midsection. Hogan's in trouble. Big trouble, it's like the Bears. let me ask you a question, Bobby Hernia. Is this not the best action you have ever seen on wrestling on television? You've never been out with the Kowalski twins, have you? Big Bobby now taking the World Heavyweight Champion into the corner, bounces his head off that top turnbuckle. Hogan's in a lot of trouble, because this big man is gonna, oh! That away, Hogan. It was luck, that was luck there. Hogan fires away with right hands Coming off the ropes oh, This could be it, this could be it Subbera. Don't waste any time, go for it One, two, and a kick out For the World Heavyweight Champion He will not be denied Hulk Hogan will not be denied oh, I've seen this happen before I think it hurt that man. It's amazing. Hulk Hogan say why don't you go back to where you came from what well you said it was going to be explosive you said things were going to. sort all of this out here at the mall of america on the premier edition i don't know what's going on hulk hogan
10: what are you doing here luger you got no business in my backyard luger well let me tell you why i'm here i'll make it clear
7: right up front i'm here for one reason and one reason only people say that you're the number one wrestler in the world today you wear that WCW belt around your waist and you know what that makes you the only world's heavyweight champion. And I'm here me, to take that belt. That's why I'm here. Let me tell you something, Oliver. One second, second, before you jump the gun, no. hold on just one second and let me finish. Then you'll have your piece. just let me finish. I've been down the same roads as you. I've been where you've been. I've beaten the same people you've beaten. I am sick and tired of playing around with kids i'm here to get it on with the big boys and that means you and i don't care whether it's next month next year or five years i'm gonna get my shot
10: you see this brother this is the wcw heavyweight title brother i'm the champion and that's the way it's gonna stay forever and a day i know where you've been brother you've been playing games i'm gonna have to give you your due brother I know when you started and how long you've been at it, brother. But when you come in the WCW, when you get in Hulk Hogan's face, brother, there's thousands of Hulkamaniacs, brother, that are going to stand behind me each and every bit of the way, Luger. So as far as I'm concerned, brother, as great as you may be, you don't have to prove nothing to me, brother. You don't have to wait till next week. You don't have to wait till next month. Just stick that... Stinky palm ears out, brother. Shake my hand, and I'll put the WCW title on the line next Monday on Monday Nitro, right in Miami. I'll put the title, the WCW. You got WC th- hey, kill like i
6: I'm about that?
10: hitting a home run! You better Ladies
2: and gentlemen, I can't believe it! Apparently, it's next it's it's Monday, yes, it's been confirmed. Hogan and Luger. For the WCW heavyweight title if we can keep it under wraps. Eric Bischoff, Steve McMichael, the brain. I can hardly wait till next Sunday in the meantime. From the Mall of America, have a great one.
4: 1996, and I wish I could go weeks ahead and cover this now, but we have to wait. I mean, that's the way it is. But Jim Ross turning here was garbage. But this whole storyline that WWF did was also garbage. Now, let me just paint this picture. We're in 1996. Only a couple of months ago, we have the formation of the NWO. Hall and Nash in WCW for a very short period of time. I mean, there was a lot of other things going on in the world of pro wrestling. You know, I was more of an ECW fan than anything else at this point. But still, the NWO, greatest faction in the history of pro wrestling, next to the four horsemen, in my opinion. But this was a major, major storyline going on in pro wrestling. So, with that backdrop, we are now this week in 1996. And basically, the first thing that's interesting is that we learn that Shawn Michaels is going to appear in Playgirl magazine. The cover is revealed. The magazine was going on sale that following Monday. I actually have the interview highlights. I don't know if anybody is really interested in hearing them. You can find them online. You know, if you actually... Read this uh, Story behind it You know the big Look Nobody had For the most part Has an issue with homosexuality I mean you go back to 1996 Obviously it was more You know In the closet still Than what it is now But At that time Playgirl magazine Was not only uh, Viewed by women But The gay community Really really got into Playgirl magazine and if you read a lot of reports going back to 1996, what you read over and over again is that Shawn Michaels had no idea that this magazine had such a huge gay following. And, you know, if you remember some of the promos that were done towards Shawn Michaels at that time, you know, some people insinuated that he might be bisexual. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you back then, you know, there were some really wild rumors. And because he appeared in Playgirl magazine. I think this was a big part of it. The interview itself is pretty corny. You know, they, they, you, what would you expect in a Playboy or Playgirl interview? So again, if you're 18 and over, you want to go read. I mean, the interview is not, you know, I, I don't think there's anything about it that, you know, someone 16, 17 can't read it. Maybe, you know, you get your parents you know permission, but uh, there's no nudity. I mean, he does pose very revealing, but you don't see any, you know, private parts or anything like that. But this was controversial at the time. But that's not what this week's audio clip from 1996 is about. WWF did not air on Monday night that week. They actually had a special Friday night edition of Monday Night Raw. They actually called it Championship Friday Raw. And WWF was returning to Monday night the following week But this week in 96, they were on Friday night So now there was a little bit of a teaser earlier in the night on Friday Night Raw But then towards the main event, Jim Ross, while doing commentating Throughout this breaking news announcement
2: Welcome back to USA Championship Friday Mankind and Paul Bearer together. J.R., the thought of it still sickens me. It all happened at SummerSlam, during the brutal boiler room brawl, when Paul Bearer turned his back on The Undertaker. After six years together, now the unholy alliance of Paul Bear and Mankind has been formed. And For those of you that don't know, the Undertaker, due to some lingering injuries suffering in the Boiler Room
8: Brawl, had to be hospitalized this week. The Undertaker just released from the hospital today, and we know that The Undertaker is scheduled to compete on Raw this Monday night. Yes, indeed, JR.
11: He'll face the undefeated Salvatore Sincere as Raw
2: returns this Monday at 8.57, 7.57 Central. Mankind here with Alex, the Pug, Porto, and JR. Was that the scoop we were talking about? Well, no, it's not, Kevin. The, the breaking story we talked about early in the program that I really believe will be the biggest story of the year in the World Wrestling Federation is this. Big Daddy Cool Diesel and the bad guy, Razor Ramon, are on their way back to the World Wrestling Federation. I have that on very good authority from some very reliable sources. Unbelievable news, JR. What a huge story that would be. Mankind and Alex the Pug Porto doing battle here in the squared circle. Mankind very aggressive coming off the ropes and drives Porto down with an elbow. JR, can you repeat that again? I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Well, the, my sources tell me and they're very reliable sources. I've had them for years and that is the fact that Big Daddy Cool Diesel and the bad guy Razor Ramon are without a doubt on their way back to the World Wrestling Federation. Wow!
4: So, look, we all know now, you know, Diesel was Kane, Dr. Isaac Yankum, and, you know, Razor Ramon was a fake as well. And you've heard the stories of Hall and Nash renegotiating contracts to get more money because WSW actually thought that they were going back to, to Raw and the WWF. I mean, all that is just crazy shit. But at this point, you know, I don't know a lot of you out there if you were Following, you know, wrestling in 96 or if you were a channel surfer, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But when we watched this in 96 and heard that Razor Ramon and Diesel were coming back to the WWF, you know, we actually thought it was Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. I mean, I I I'm sure this. You will definitely get this. You will have people that will say, "Oh, I knew it was just gimmicks. I knew that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash weren't coming back." But these are, you know, because people have to, you know, try to come across that they're really really smart. No, at that time, we honestly thought that Scott Hall and Kevin Nash were making their return. Now looking back on it. The more Jim Ross said Razor, Ramon and Diesel, Razor, Ramon and Diesel, Razor, Ramon and Diesel, and never uttered the words, Kevin Nash or Scott Hall, maybe, you know, we kind of would have felt a little bit different. Like, oh, wait, you know, do you notice how he's never mentioning Hall and Nash? You know, because, and I know what some of you are going to say, they weren't known by Hall and Nash in the WWF. They were known by Razor, Ramon and Diesel, and I totally understand that, but keep, In mind, this is 1996, NWO is is the biggest storyline going. And all we knew of them in WCW was Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. So Hall and Nash were household names for wrestling fans. So there was no reason why Jim Ross couldn't have said Hall and Nash, but he never did. And you know what led to it. So as the weeks go by and things happen in this storyline, we will definitely look back on it. But uh, was it a failure? Absolutely. Absolutely. 1997, WWF's In Your House 17, Ground Zero. You know, you look back on it, I think this was the first In Your House that went three hours instead of two. And some of the matches on there I thought were fun. So if you just want to see like a random in your house that you may have not seen before, you could seek this one out. I think the main event of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker fighting to a no contest was a great match. If you ever seen old school clips of Undertaker diving out of the ring onto wrestlers, this match has one of those famous clips of him doing the dive. You see it, you'll know what I'm talking about. You have Bret Hart over the Patriot, headbangers uh, winning the WWF tag titles over the Godwins, Legion of Doom, British Bulldog, and Owen Hart. And I also think that Steve Austin got involved with that as well. Remember, Steve Austin right about now, you know, they're doing the storyline. Well, he was legitimately injured. So, you know, he was trying to get his revenge on Owen Hart for almost, you know, eliminating his career, you know, ending his career. You have Max Mini over El Torito, which went 10 minutes too long. I mean, it was just comedy match. Savio Vega over Crush and Farouk in a three way. Brian Christopher over Scott Putzky. That match ended very early because Scott Putzky injured his knee pretty badly. I think he might have dislocated his kneecap. Brian Pillman defeated Goldust. The stipulation there was that if if Brian Pillman won, he would get the services of Marlena for thirty days. If he lost, he would be gone from the WWF. And since he defeated Goldust, they immediately started doing that storyline. They were showing, like, Pillman pulling her into a car, speeding away, and this, is and that. And, you know, it was what it was. Wrapping up 1997 in Memphis, Tennessee, Steven Dunn defeated Doomsday, who we now know as Kane, to win the USWA Southern Heavyweight Championship. The reason why I mention this match is because Steven Dunn would end up being the last person to ever hold that title Two months from now, you will hear me announce that that week in wrestling history, the USWA closed its doors. So now we go to 1999, got five audio clips. Very quick ones, but this was a fun week to be a wrestling fan in 99. Yeah, WCW wasn't that great this week, but WWF really had a fun episode of Monday Night Raw. First off, does anybody remember GTV? GTV those segments, I mean, some of them were really, really stupid. Some of them were funny. This week in 99, they had my favorite GTV moment of all time, and you just, you you really can't hear much of it. It only lasts 30 seconds, but you just picture this. You have Big Show and Val Venus both in a bathroom taking a leak next to each other, and you see the GTV logo in the background. It's a black and white silhouette of the bathroom, and as they're taking a piss, Val Venis looks over at Big Show and says this.
7: <laughs> they call you the Big Show? <laughs> what?
6: Oh, look at that.
2: I guess he is the big show Good lord and he washes his
10: hands too What the heck's gonna happen next?
4: I thought it was fucking funny that He was washing his hands too Cause you're supposed to wash your hands when you take a piss But how Jerry Lawler pointed out That he washed his hands also But that was funny funny shit Also this week on Monday Night Raw Hey history Evolution You know I know in this day and age, they really don't look back at the you know, TNA part of women's wrestling with all that fondness, but you would think this is a moment in history, the first ever women's hardcore title match in the WWF. No, they were not fighting for the hardcore title. They were fighting for the women's title, but it was a hardcore match. It featured Ivory versus Tori. And if you go look, over the years, people really found this match fun. It's not good. I mean, it's, you know, it's got its little sexual moments. I mean, you'll, if you ever watch the video, you know what I'm talking about. But I paid attention to this week and I even posted the match on my Twitter, you know, just see what kind of reaction I get to it. And then I looked at all of the women's sites. And nobody wanted to bring up and celebrate that this week in history was the first ever women's hardcore match for the women's title. Nobody, not one woman. I mean, f- fans did, but not one woman in wrestling brought this up. It's just, it was just interesting because they'll bring up every other fucking. I don't want to say bullshit moment over the years, but they'll bring up, you know, highlights that were nothing. It would just be a skit or a segment or an interview clip. But this, they wouldn't even touch it. So here is the flashback from 1999 first ever women's hardcore match for the women's title Tory, not Tory Wilson, but DX Tory versus Ivory.
0: WWF women's hardcore match. Aren't you the least little bit worried this is going to get out of hand? Do I look like I'm worried? Please, Terry, you know me better than that. Actually, I'm looking quite forward to rearranging that skank's face against the nearest concrete wall. I could already think of great weapons here. The dressing room, even. That would make some good eye wash, wouldn't it? Really gets the red out if you know what I mean.
6: Look out! Oh my God! Ivory, oh, yes, go, go. go. This is hardcore! Go. Women's hardcore title match! Get it off. The devil! Get her. Get
2: her. Get her. I can't believe this, team! They're, they're still fighting! Pour and Ivory, the first ever women's hardcore title match! I couldn't wait for her to get down the broad panties, but that's the way it started out! That's, that's Tori, the challenger, oh, oh, oh. just struck Ivory's head and then told it to Oh, and now right into the towel dispenser. Here,
6: this is up. for the WWF oh, title. Oh. Hardcore
2: rules, King. Here? This is history being made here? made here. Look at what you yeah,
12: so... Ow. Ow. Oh. oh, right ahead. Oh, and for the girl, who's the eternal. Girl. Oh, no. oh, my, my God!
2: What are those? What's oh,
6: going on here? Bryce came I'm right, right Tori's head.
2: Now, they're in the oh, shower in the cover the toot. a near fall in the shower. They are, a, I want the referee's job
6: that shampoo in the eyes.
2: Ah, and as you try to wait, a uh, wait. Ivory's ah. trying to wash Tori's ah. mouth out with soap. Ah. Ivory's going ah. the fifth color, though. What's your color? her? Skanking up. Oh, watch your top, watch
12: about to lose the loose top.
2: Girl, you know. Tori has been blinded by that shampoo or soap in the eyes. <laughs> King, I've never seen anything like this in my life. A hard-core, hardcore women's man. I'm almost speechless. Oh, man.
6: <laughs> man, these,
2: these two women are just trying to tear each yeah. other apart.
6: Yeah.
2: How much more will their anatomies take? A lot, uh, I hope, a long time. I hope it goes a long, long time. What do we have here?
12: Oh, uh, we have some boys. Uh, That's a what? Hey, I want you to meet my pal, Ivory. We're in the meanwhile, oh, girl.
2: Right. Come on, Ivory. Corey and Ivory have fought through I that partition out. into one of the men's M- the locker rooms.
6: Clean in the shower.
2: I like, think Tori has regained the advantage here in this hardcore women's title match. JR, I'm almost speechless. I'm, here we I, go. This it. Is, man, I'll tell you what. Where else on Raw are you going to yeah. see anything like this? We're really getting Raw here.
6: Look at this
2: nice That's truck o- over oh, WWF title oh. is at stake. Let's oh, not forget that, that. Now this oh. is this
6: hardcore matchup. Let I mean, we rearranging the face the way we like it. Oh. oh.
2: Oh, Ivory face first. Oh God, watch the tape! The cover to near fall! Now, Foria, count away from becoming the WWF Women's Champion. This is unbelievable! Look out! Quite frankly, these women are just beating the hell out of each other. Oh. Got it with the baby. Just watch your legs! What's Ivory doing? Wait a minute! She's getting the mirror. Jr., look out! Oh God! Ivory just broke the mirror right over. And, and Tory's head and Tory's barefooted. She may have glass in her feet. Get out here! Oh, oh, the What about
6: her oh. Good oh, grief!
2: Ivory has won this match.
6: Come on! I don't know what. Women's. Wrestling Federation champion is Ivory.
2: What's she doing now? Come on, it. It come
6: on.
2: Come on. that's it, Ivory. Come on, come on. Let's get it. Ivory is 2 well, That's Tory with that extension cord on that iron. Come on, Ivory, Let's get it off. Oh my gosh! Come on. What the hell's going on here?
6: Ivory, come on, Let's get her off. Ah! Come on, come on. Oh, Good part.
2: That's, come that's hideous! Come on. Get off! Now. Oh, oh, yeah.
4: now, I look back on that. You hear the iron segment at the end. You know, obviously she really didn't use a hot iron. I mean, that would be like fucked up in lawsuits and shit, but I don't know if they had red food coloring inside the iron. And I'm not sure about that because if you look closely, the iron lands on the floor sideways. And if anybody out there has ever dropped an iron sideways that has liquid in it, it usually leaks out. So we would have seen red fluid coming out of the iron before she actually used it. So I don't know if maybe Tori had something on her hands, or maybe had a capsule or something. And then when she like held her back, like, oh my god, I'm being burned! You know, she rubbed it on because it, it the visual was great. They did not focus on the back, but if you look closely, they did put like some red coloring on her neck and her you know top of her back to look like that her skin was fucking melted. It was fucking wild, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. So now we then go to the hardcore title. And again, this is something where, you know, people don't do their research with history. You know, we had the um, big boss man who was the hardcore champion. And he's throwing out challenges and this, this, and that. And as you will hear, when the way he worded his challenge, it kind of felt like, okay, maybe the British Bulldog is going to make his return to the WWF. The thing was at that time, because British Bulldog was not doing well medically, we had no... Inclination that he was going to be returning this soon And unfortunately, you know, he would have issues Medically, substance wise And he would not stick around all that long In the WWF But it was this week in 99 That British Bulldog made a surprise return Now, as this match goes down And again, this is where nobody fucking bothered To like do any research with history You have Al Snow and Big Show in the midst of their feud and Al Snow, his, you know, he's flipped his lid. He comes out as Avatar. He comes out as Leaf Cassidy. He comes out as this. He's coming out as different gimmicks. So something happens between British Bulldog and Al Snow after this match, which I thought was really fucking stupid. But still, it's I think uh, an important part of what went down between Bossman and Bulldog this week in '99.
7: there's any dog lovers in the back. You got the <laughs> enough to come down here and try to take my hardcore belt. Come on down in front of these millions and millions of people. I'll neuter you. send you home with you tell tail between your legs. All I ask is somebody come down and get them a
2: shot. So a challenge has been issued by the big <laughs> boss man. Any dog lovers back there? I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be too eager to take that challenge. Well, somebody has taken... Wait a minute! What? Champion, And Intercontinental Please. Champion is back! They're gonna tie it up right now! And here we go now, the Hardcore Championship on the line, and the Bulldog quickly on top of the Big Boss Man! I don't think Boss Man realizes... I know he's gotta be in shock right now! He wanted a dog lover, but instead he got a Bulldog! And the Bulldog working on all cylinders as he tosses Boss Man into the crowd! What I'm else gonna is you. gonna happen here tonight on SmackDown on UPN? We saw know. Triple H attack Kane in the parking lot. And now the Bulldog has returned. Oh. oh, man, into those stairs. And the boss man again takes advantage of the Bulldog. I'll tell you what. Look out. Oh, Whoa, he almost got him. Missed with a steel chair. Bulldog oh. quickly back in the ring. Look out. Blocks it that time. Oh, a power by the British Bulldog. He's tenacious Tenacious, when he was with the World Wrestling Federation before, pound for pound, the strongest man in the WWF. They don't stick to the face of the Boss Man. He's used the Boss Man own nightstick stick on him. out no! Now. Al Snow, but it's Al Snow as Leif Cassidy. What? Another one of Al Snow's alter egos, and he has that pad that he scribbled something on on, on Raw Monday night, and now he's just shoved it into the mouth of Big Buckman man, and look, last Monday night he comes out here as Avatar, now Leaf, Leif Cassidy. What is he doing? Well, Al Snow doesn't have any clue who he is, he's gone off the deep. T- barking like a dog on raw this past Monday night. He came out dressed as Avatar and now he's Leaf Cassidy. Hey wait a minute what is he do- I can't believe it he
4: Now we head on over to SmackDown Albany, New York. I think to this day, it's the first time and only time that tag teams were involved in a Buried Alive match. It was Big Show and Undertaker versus The Rock and Mankind for the WWF tag titles. There was interference during this match, as you will hear, and, um, you know, towards the end, you know, it's a nice little visual with, uh, let's just say, a little semi and an ambulance and somebody tries to kill someone. But, you know, in the midst of all of this craziness going down, there is a title change that takes place. So here you go. Highlights, closing moments of the Buried Alive match from SmackDown
2: 1999. Look at this of strength. like it. He must have topped him 50 feet. Oh. How the hell is Mankind still walking? And Not now he sho- he's walking. He's shoveling dirt. If Mankind can bury the Big Show as you see The oh, Rock and Undertaker oh, going God. at it backstage. Oh my gosh.
6: And
2: hey, look at this now. Undertaker doesn't realize his partner's in that grave. Oh. Taker. Taker, the Big Show's being buried. Wait a minute. Oh. Okay, from, from behind. Oh. Triple H. Triple oh. H blindsiding The Rock from behind. And Undertaker's gonna leave Rock there. And look at Triple H and ambush from behind on the Rock. And there's Kane! 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 Kane getting his revenge on Triple H! Oh my gosh! After that sledgehammer attack earlier tonight! China! China now! Oh. Tear to the back of Kane! It didn't even phase the big red machine! Oh my god! China's in trouble! Yeah, China! China's in deep trouble! And Kane is after China! Get away! And Mankind continues, continues to bury The Big Show. And here's The Undertaker now. The Phenom is out. Mankind doesn't see him, and The Phenom with the right hand. Oh, my gosh. What else is going to happen tonight on SmackDown? The Big Show is up and out of the grave. The Rock has been taken apart in the backstage area oh, by Triple police! And Undertaker with a shovel. Mankind can't get up from that. There's no way. He, he is again! Oh my God! How does he do it? And Undertaker again, hammering away on Mankind. And the fans chanting for the People's Champion. That'll do it. Wait a minute! And you see
11: inside the grave now, in Mankind. The grave. Uh, and the big so show cool. now with a, a boot to the back. <laughs> King, how is Mankind still walking? Stay down, you idiot! Be buried, rest in peace! Undertaker now begins the process of shoveling dirt, but again, Mankind, and now Big Show, going to work on Mankind inside
2: that that grave. All right, get up! And Undertaker calling the Big Show, shouting at him, yelling at him to get out of the grave. He's he's smothering Mankind, getting face down in that grave. And The Undertaker just told Big Show to do it. Huh? Well, he can shovel. More dirt than the Undertaker, I guess, I don't know. And the Big Show now is burying mankind alive. Can you imagine that That cold, dark dirt being thrown on your lifeless body? If Big Show can bury mankind here, folks, we'll have new Tag Team Champions as Undertaker now. Where's he going? And there's Rock! Oh, no! Rock is back! Rock is back! The Rock! What else can we have in this match? And now the Phenom. Hammering away on The Rock again. What a war this has been. It's the first ever oh. Live Tag Match and I think we almost have new Tag Team Champions. Wait a minute. What is he doing now? Triple H Hammer. What? Look out. Oh, my. To the back of the skull of the Big Show. What? Triple H just leveled the Big Show. Triple H is going to bury Mankind. What is Triple H doing? I don't get it. He's the WWF champion. He attacked Rock. He attacked Big Show. King. now Mankind. The champion is burying Mankind alive. I don't think there's much left of him. He's almost completely covered, wait. There's not much left of the Big Show either, King. The referee's calling for the bill the referee calls for the bell mankind is buried mankind's buried so does that mean we have new new tag team champions but wait well there's no disqualification in this type of matchup you just have to bury your opponent but the winners of this match
7: and new world wrestling federation tag team champions the big show
2: Triple H with a sledgehammer to the back of the head and now he's burying Mankind Alive and what is Triple H's agenda? What is he trying to prove? He attacked The Rock Kane earlier tonight Uh oh, look out He clubbed Big Show with a sledgehammer and now he's burying Mankind Alive and let's take another look at this shot To the back of the head of Big Show Oh God we can't stop Triple H. How many pounds of dirt can he have on Mankind? And now they're bringing in the paramedics. That ambulance here obviously to help out Mankind well, and the Big Show. Because Mankind will be completely smothered.
11: Triple H with that sledgehammer to the Big Show, looking down at his fallen victim. Mankind's been buried alive in that grave, and Triple H continues to celebrate.
13: Unbelievable.
2: Who's he going to put? Who is Triple H going to put into the ambulance? Is it going to be the big show?
11: I, I don't think you'll dig mankind out of there. He's the WWF champion. What else can he prove? It's awesome!
2: And it's Triple H who's going for the ride of the ambulance. It's Triple H going for the ride. Where's he taking him? He's leaving with him. He's actually leaving with him. What is he going to do? Stone Cold, Steve Austin's return. He's put Triple H in the back of that ambulance. Going. Where's Stone Cold taking Triple H? We're outside the Pepsi Arena now, folks. Stone Cold is driving that ambulance. Triple H is in the back. What in the world is he doing? I have no idea. Wait a minute. What in the world is
11: the Rattlesnake doing here? This can't be good. It can't be good for Triple H. You remember what Stone
2: Cold said. He was going to get Triple H back. Wait a minute. No. Wait a minute. What, what is the? Austin. What the hell is it? He's- Is he commandeering Christina. that semi? Stone Cold Steve Austin in the Cabinet truck. Looks Triple H. He's in the back of an ambulance.
6: Oh, no. There's his face. Look at that.
4: And we couldn't close out 1999 with a little bit more of the hokiness with Howard Finkel. Last week, we had the tuxedo evening gown match between him and Lillian Garcia. Well, this week in 1999 on SmackDown, they decided to do a tuxedo match between Howard Finkel and Tony Chimel. I don't know if this was WWE's way of having Howard Finkel pass the torch. I mean, he was really humiliating himself. I mean, it was funny, but... Give WWF credit, they were keeping these segments very, very short. So here you go, match in its entirety, even though it's only a couple of minutes. You have Howard Finkel versus Tony Chimmel, tuxedo match.
2: Hey, King, as we said before, there's hey, nothing What is this? Wait a minute now. That's ringing out for Tony Chimmel, and, and it's Howard Finkel.
10: Chimmel, Chimmel,
2: Chimmel, Chimmel. My goodness, we meet again, don't we? Last week, you humiliated me like I've never been humiliated before. Don't stand for it. And this week, I have a little proposal for you, my friend. One that I'm sure you will not refuse. Wait a minute. Don't tell me Howard's going to propose. see what you're wearing? You see what I'm wearing? It's a tuxedo. It's a tool of the trade. It's what ring announcers wear. However my challenge to you chimmel is simple a challenge to a tuxedo match
3: and also pal i'll add a little stipulation to this okay if i win the whoa whoa whoa. when i win
2: this match i will resume what is rightfully mine in this ring doing what i know best ring announcing so what do you think, Chimel?
9: Howard, I don't know who sent you back here, but why don't you just go
2: back to the dressing room, all right? <laughs> Chimel's afraid. King Jericho has the Fink brainwash. <laughs> Chimel's afraid. Jericho's gotten it at a Howard Finkel's well, head. If you don't want to take the challenge up and you want me to leave, I guess I have no choice. I want you to save face there, pal. Done deal, no problem. What? How about the Finkel? Wait a minute. Yeah. And Finkel with a forearm from behind. And here oh, we go with a tuxedo baby. match. This is great. Tear Really good! Oh. Sleeve already off the tuxedo with Tony Chimel and Howard Finkel. Oh, what else is going to come off, though? I'll tell you. I, 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 I shuddered at that. Oh, think. no. And Chimel's taking down Finkel now. And here Chimel goes. Wait, jack right it right hey, wait. off. Hey, what the boots doing? And there's Chris Jericho. Jericho. What? in the backstage area looking on. He's got confidence in Howard. He knows that Howard will come out on top of this. Can you know Howard Finkel's starving for attention. He's just like a kid. No one's paid attention to Howard. He's been in this company what 20 years, and he feels he's being ignored. Chris Jericho's the only one paying hey, any attention minute. to Howard. And Tony Chimmel now, look at Jericho laughing. That don't matter. I mean, Jericho, he's he's, he's still no... Howard's got, Howard's got him right where he wants him. Get up, Howard! Right where he wants him. They he ripped the sleeve off. Well, Chimmel's got the tuck shirt off, the suspenders and the t-shirt's about to follow. And can you imagine Howard and his skeevies? Oh, man. Howard Finkel asked for it. Okay. Oh, no, oh, no, wait a minute, the plans. That's enough, Chimmel. Chimmel, you enough. win. That's enough. That's enough. You win. <laughs> He's got a <him> red right
6: underwear. <laughs> <He won. laughs> red right underwear. Red right underpants. pants! Look.
2: Tony Chimmel <laughs> humiliated in the in Howard Finkel. Oh no! I think I see a skid mark on those. <laughs> look, at that. Ah, look at his underwear! Oh my gosh! Oh man. It's- Howard Finkel has been stripped oh! to his red underwear, and Tony Chimmel rubbing salt in the wound. Yeah, that'll leave a mark, Howard. And Chris Jericho's enjoying himself backstage. Did you say rubbing salt in the womb? In the wound! Oh, oh this is sad. Get out of there, Howard! You know, Chris Gier, come on now. Look at how it looks like this a, is enough. Howard looks like a beach whale while
4: well, Tony Timble wins the tuxedo match. On the WCW side, unfortunately, the only two highlights this week was number one, Virgil joining the West Texas Rednecks. And number two, a somewhat confusing battle royal with a kind of disappointing outcome uh, took place on Nitro. Now, here's basically the deal. WCW opened up with a battle royal. In the battle royal was Barry Windham, Kendall Windham, Vincent, the Barbarian, Shane Douglas, Jerry Flynn, Brian Knobs, Perry Saturn, Kurt Henning, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, and Hugh Mars. They're all in battle royal. Now, how this worked was not we have one winner, no. The final two members in this battle royal, the last two people that are still in the match, will later on face each other one-on-one and the winner of that match will go on to wrestle the world heavyweight champion next week on Monday Nitro. Okay. So, so far, all right. You know, instead of just whoever wins the battle royal faces the champion next week. Instead, all right, the final two people, they'll wrestle each other in a one-on-one match. That winner, blah, blah, blah. So now here's where it gets confusing. The first four wrestlers who are eliminated in this match are eliminated. That's it. They're done. Their night's over. And those four wrestlers were Vincent, the Barbarian, Brian Knobs, and Kurt Henning. So they're eliminated. Their night is done. So now you still have everybody else still fighting in the battle royal. Now the next six wrestlers who are eliminated, they will then face each other one-on-one later on in the night on Monday Nitro. You know, they don't get nothing out of it. They're just the next six people eliminated in the order of elimination. They will wrestle each other later on in the night. So those six people who got eliminated were Shane Douglas, Kendall Wyndham, Barry Wyndham, Jerry Flynn, Perry Saturn, and Hugh Morris. So they would have one-on-one matches later on. You know, nothing coming out of it, just regular one-on-one matches. So now we have Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko as the final two combatants in this battle royal. So now they will wrestle each other one-on-one, and the winner of that match will face the World Heavyweight Champion next week on Nitro and get a title shot. So they battled to a no contest, <laughs> which means neither one of them got a title shot next week on Nitro. I mean, that's seriously, that's how it went down. I mean, it would have been cool if at least one of them would have won and that no, they ended in a no contest. And the funny thing is, I think Belen- uh, Milenko, Malenko and Benoit, they faced each other. The following week on Nitro, I think they opened up Nitro and they had a wonderful match. And after, they shook hands and they hugged and all that. And um, i trying to remember who won. I think it was Benoit that may have won. But still, I mean, you know, to end up being the last two in the Battle Royal and they battled to no contest, it was very disappointing. So now we go to 2000. Tony know a lot of you follow him. He made his pro wrestling debut. Tony Niece is a homeboy over here in New York. Took place for NYWC Rampage at the Community Center in Deer Park, New York. I've been there many, many times. He wrestled under the name Matt Maverick. Took part of a number one contenders match battle royal for the NYWC Interstate title. The match was won by Rob Echos, but for those that are curious who was in the match as well, Someone in Northeast will have a flashback of some of these names. Baxter Cross, Billy Angus, Damian Dragon, Danny Angus, the fake Roddy Piper, Reefer, Honest Abe, JT Tackleberry, Javier, Joe Itel, Joey Brajol, Mega, Mike Spinelli, Oscar, Psycho, Spider, Stockade, The Damn, Stan, Tony Burma, and Vesia. So there you go. This week also in 2000 Monday Night Raw Eddie Guerrero defeated China and Kurt Angle in a triple threat match to win the Intercontinental Championship. That's a fun match if you've never seen it. And also this week in ECW Rhino defeated Kid Cash to win the World TV chi- title. And the reason why I mention this is because just like with USWA earlier, you know he would be the last champion for the that title. Because we would have ECW fold in early 2001. So this was the last world TV title change in the original ECW. So now we go to 2001. Got a couple of audio clips to share with you. Three to be exact. First, let's do it a little backwards. Let's go to SmackDown first. Stevie Richards, or Steven Richards I should say. He's in the ring getting a lot of heat from the crowd, cutting a promo. The week before, he gave The Undertaker a Stevie kick, and he basically is going to face The Undertaker this week on SmackDown back in 2001. And this match would lead to the, I guess you could call it the debut of a tag team, even though they both wrestled in the WWF before. But um, unfortunately, this tag team debut did not last at all in the WWF. It was just a complete, complete failure. Never clicked from the beginning, but I will share it with you right now. You're wondering who this debut was. I know some of you already know, but here you go, 2001. Here is Stephen Richards with The Undertaker and what transpired next.
2: Stephen Richards in the ring. Many people are wondering why I Steven kicked The Undertaker last night on Raw. Many people are wondering why I even challenged The Undertaker to a match tonight. Many people believe that I am crazy for challenging The Undertaker tonight. Well, I have one thing to say to The Undertaker.
7: I hate you! It was your fault that the right to censor disbanded. It was your fault that my own brothers and sister turned on me. And even though
2: each and every one of you people out there do not have faith in Steven Richards. I most certainly do. So Undertaker, come out here and get some. Strong words from Steven Richards. Jet Python, beautiful motorcycle, and Undertaker with revenge on his mind after suffering that super kick to the chops by Steven Richards on roll last night. Steven Richards blaming the Undertaker for the dissolution of Richards' former group, right? The sense of <laughs> that boy, Steven Richards, man, he's kind of desperate. Undertaker was in a war with Test on Raw Monday night, when Steven Richards interrupted things, The Undertaker, with his eyes set on Steven Richards here tonight, and Steven Richards, he wants The Undertaker, and I can't believe it. He's gonna get all of the phenom. <laughs> as far as I know, you know, not, not as far as I know, Steven Richards isn't the Quality Alliance. I really don't care what Undertaker does, but I think it's going to be cool to see someone get, you know, beat up. That's well, cool. Steven Richards is the chihuahua, so to speak, in the Undertaker's yard. Remember, the Undertaker's the big dog in that place. No doubt that is that man's yard, and Taker, look at Steven Richards. Yeah, Steven Richards taking off out of the ring, the Undertaker in Three. pursuit Three. of Steven Richards. Perfect example, right there. Boom. He is not a lion's material, Steven Richards. Just by running away like, that's not a lion's style. Undertaker again in pursuit. I think the Undertaker's had him up right here. What happened to Steven Richards' courage? Yeah, he's a big man now with a steel yeah. chair. Rep two of the bro. Jesus, he need like 10 chants, this guy. Undertaker not intimidated by that steel chair. And he's just standing there saying, let's get it on, Mr. Richards. Boom. Steven Richards, Steven take the last night. It was the death oh. point. Oh, well, and here comes Undertaker, despite the fact Richards has a
11: steel chair in hand, Undertaker in pursuit of that steel ramp. Take it up, please. Undertaker walking slowly with a
2: mission. Yeah, Richards is running out of room. Steaker Richards just tossed the chair down. What the he thinking about? Oh, right hand by Undertaker! And- Believe it. it. Looks like Steven. Oh no! Take his goal for a ride, Cole. A double team. and under Tucker's body, thundering off the mat. That came man. just ended. Is this the beginning of some sort of new relationship between Stephen Richards, Brian Clark, and Brian Adams, or, or is this just a one-night deal tag? I, I ain't got a clue, man. I don't know. How I've been sitting here with you. I,
7: these two guys.
4: Now we go to Monday Night Raw. Two very memorable moments went down this week on Raw in 2001. First, as you heard last week, there was this storyline going on between Steve Austin and Kurt Angle. Steve Austin had thrown Kurt Angle's medals into the Detroit River. So now Kurt Angle this week was looking to get revenge Steve Austin was, I I believe, if I remember correctly, in his brand new truck. He's yelling out on camera in a backstage vignette that he's the king of the world. Kurt Angle attacks him from behind and technically kidnaps Steve Austin. And he brings Steve Austin to a bridge blindfolded and you have Deborah in the middle of the ring begging Kurt Angle. Kurt, if you can hear me, please don't do anything to Steve. I love him blah. It was horrible acting. But then you had Kurt Angle, Steve Austin on the bridge. Steve Austin thinks he is going to be tossed over the bridge. As you will hear in the end, he does get tossed into the water, but Kurt Angle had in the middle of the road, I don't know how he did it. I mean, that's pretty, pretty uh, impressive. He had a little kiddie pool filled up with water and this is how it went down.
1: here. Beg for me.
9: Come on, Austin, beg. Beg for me, Austin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it's all a <clears throat> I'm sorry I saw big misunderstanding. And I didn't mean to steal. What? <clears throat> what? Come on, Austin, beg. Beg for me. All right, I'm sorry it was a big misunderstanding. I didn't mean to take your gold medal. You, I know they mean what? more. I know they mean more to you what? than anything. I know they mean more to you than anything in the world, and I'm so stupid of me to take your gold medals. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're pathetic. You are pathetic. Well, let me try again. I'm so sorry that I took your gold medals, man. Shut there
1: up. Was- Shut up. Since you're so pathetic at begging, I want you to cry. Cry for me, Austin. Cry. Come on. Cry,
7: Austin. I can't cry. Cry, Austin. I, I can't cry.
1: <laughs> cry. I'll cry.
8: What?
9: I'm sorry. You're pathetic. You're a joke. Come on, Austin, cry. Come on. on. Cry, Austin. You're kidding me.
10: I'm sorry. What? I didn't didn't mean to piss you off. Why? I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. I'm such a
7: jerk. I'm
10: sorry.
7: sorry. Listen, (laughs) hey.
1: Listen, I'll tell you what, Austin, you are really pathetic, but there's one thing I want more than anything, even more than my Olympic gold medals. I want a return match for the WWF title. You got it. What?
9: You got it. If you want to return, you got it.
1: I want more than that. I want a date and I want a
9: place. Just name it. What? I said, name it. Are you want me to beg again, crying? Again? Name a day if you got it.
1: I want Pittsburgh, PA, my hometown, and unforgiven.
9: Hey, what? <sighs> okay. You got it all. WWF title. Where?
10: Pittsburgh, PA. When? Unforgiven. What? Pittsburgh, PA. Unforgiven. I give you what you want. Take these gun. Take these chains off
9: and let me go. I give you what you want.
1: You know what, Austin? I give you what you
9: want. Let me go. All
1: right. All right. Hey, I got what I wanted. You did. But you know what, Austin? What? You're still going in the water. So
9: what? stupid son of a
10: bitch! What? 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 you. What? Get you. the
4: Another moment this week on Raw in two thousand and one that was a big deal at the time. Edge and Christian, great tag team. Multi-tag team champion, TLC matches. I mean, really getting into their own. And this week on Monday Night Raw, we had Lance Storm taking on Edge. And then after the match was over, Christian hit the ring to make the save for Edge. And this is what went down next.
5: But what damage has been done to the knee as Lance continues to kick away at, at the injured knee of Edge? I would speculate significant damage.
2: And holding oh, the reversal. The nice roll-up. And it's got it. Oh, what a counter. Here's your winner. And
6: still, the world wrestling to the
2: the Intercontinental Champion, Edge. And Lance Storm drop-kicking that knee. What a beautiful wrestling counter and victory. But man, this is sore loser, Lance Storm, who came up a little bit short here tonight. And Lance Storm's got that steel chair. And, hey, wait a minute, here comes Edge's brother Christian with a steel chair of his own to make sure that Storm gets no more licks Only successful Intercontinental Champion. Why doesn't Christian mind his own business? Christian and Edge are brothers. This is his business. tough night for Christian. tough night for Edge. They're still brothers. Edge right here in his hometown. Of course, uh, Edge winning the king of the ring back in June. we're sending the trophy back to him. Oh, way
7: my God!
2: This may be cracked thanks to his own brother. You can feel this brewing. You think it was going to happen. You think it wasn't going to happen. And now this, this is a appalling. In his own hometown, oh, on, in front of their right own now, family, man. this is a appalling.
4: This week, 2003, TNA airs their one cent pay per view. Now, I know a lot of you have heard me play that commercial from back then about the one cent pay per view. The reason why I'm not playing it now is because the audio quality was so horrendous and horrible, and nobody has it online right now. So it's like, you know, I'll spare your ears and won't play it this time around. But this was TNA's idea of look, you know, we've been around for about a year, pay per view buy rates are not doing well. Let's do a one cent pay per view. This way, if you've never seen the weekly pay-per-views before, you'll tune into this one. You may enjoy it, and maybe you'll buy the pay-per-view next week or the week after. You know, And the funny thing is, is you look back on it, and some people think that 40,000 buys on this was a success. That's 40,000 pennies. And then when you look at the buy rates after this week, it was like virtually no one became a customer. So I think just the regular people, for the most part, that were already ordering the pay-per-views, they were like, hey, I got a free, you know, one cent week. Hey, I'm going to tune in. Yeah, they did get ten, twenty thousand 20,000 people to sign up for the penny and watch it. But they, for the most part, like like 95% of them didn't stick around. So it was a real, honestly, that's a failure. I mean, f- think about I mean, look, yeah, WCW's out of business, ECW's out of business, but it's 2003. WWE's roster at the time is unbelievable. I mean, there was a, still a nice buzz in wrestling, even though it was nowhere near the uh, late 90s to 2000. But still, to after all of that, to offer a one-cent pay-per-view and only get 40,000 buys, that was not... Anywhere near what I thought that they were expect, uh, expecting. Now, on the indie circuit, this week in 03, Ring of Honor had their Beating the Odds event in Massachusetts. And the main event was Raven defeating CM Punk in a Clockwork Orange House of Fun match. I saw this match when it first happened, and it was phenomenal. Problem is, unfortunately, Ring of Honor, you know, unlike WWE and TNA and a lot of other feds, they really do not leave like a plethora of their footage online. You put a match on fucking YouTube and there's a good chance that they're going to put in a copyright claim and you, you get lost. You know, you would think getting a little more exposure in this and that, but you cannot find this match online. Unless you want to pay for like a video service or no, it's just not available. So unfortunately, I can't share it with everyone here. And, he, and I know some of you're going to say, oh, you should have bought it and shared it. Yeah, I could have done that. But then I didn't want to take the chance of Ring of Honor putting in a copyright claim and saying, hey, you know, you got to take that off of your show. So unfortunately, I don't have the highlights here. But I do have highlights. What happened this week on SmackDown 2003? And if you've never seen this before and you were somewhat of a Brock Lesnar fan, if you're a newer fan of wrestling, you got to go out of your way and see this. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah, WWE, I would be shocked if they would ever go back and play highlights of this. Seeing Brock Lesnar throw a one-legged guy in a wheelchair down a flight of stairs is just not uh, acceptable in his day and age. But the reason why I'm sharing the audio highlights of this is is because of something that I said on my hotline back then. I actually do have an old early podcast from all 3 where I talked about this night. And Brock Lesnar was never known to be someone to cut promos. And unfortunately, not too long after this, he left WWF and, you know, decided he was going to go play football and this, this, and that. But Brock Lesnar at this time, next big thing, you know, still fairly new in wrestling, but he never... Had like real charisma or real good promo skills. He had Paul Heyman as his mic piece even back then. But this episode, I just felt like this was Brock Lesnar's greatest night as far as showing a character, cutting a promo, speaking out. Yes, at some points he does fumble over his words a little bit, but the whole idea was to make him come off as this sick fucking monster. And they succeeded. And I thought that this was some of Brock Lesnar's, if not his finest work ever on the microphone. So if you have had the luxury of watching this back then, you know what I'm talking about. And here is the highlights from this week on SmackDown. Basically, Vince McMahon is in the ring announcing that Kurt Angle is going to be facing Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is then shown it like a skybox with Zach Allen. And ultimately, at the end of this segment, Brock Lesnar does toss Zach Allen in a wheelchair down a pretty, uh, pretty high flight of stairs. I mean, it's just you look back on it and it's like, whoa, whoa, that was fucked up. Seriously, it was really fucked up. If you could get the opportunity to watch this, please do so. The audio will not do it full justice.
10: We'll be defending the title against the number one contender, Brock Lesnar.
2: Lesnar and Angle? Wow. Number one contender? This will not be an ordinary championship match. Oh, no, this will be a one-hour Iron Man
10: match. Wow! For the first time ever in SmackDown history, whoever scores the most falls in one hour will undoubtedly be the champion. And as I look into my crystal ball, I would now like to introduce you to the men who will be victorious in that match. Ladies and gentlemen, Brock Lesnar. Brock, come on out, Brock. Don't be playing hide and seek on me. Where are you, Brock? Brock.
7: Vince, up here, buddy. Hey. Hey, hey, look, it's Brock Luther! (laughs) Why are you doing Big Show? How are you? Hey, hey, Brock,
2: I I got a question for you. Earlier tonight, you were in Stephanie McMahon's office
10: taking care of some business. Yeah,
5: Yeah, what what kind of business was that? Let me tell you something, Vince. First of all, I want to thank you, okay? I want to thank you for slapping me and reminding me of who I am. A monster, Vince. And I proved it when I came out there and took care of Kurt Angle and The Undertaker. Very impressive. Yeah. And before that, remember when you told me that uh, a certain somebody... Sit down!
2: Tapped out That's what this crowd's chanting here Yeah, yeah, yeah that
5: happened two weeks ago. So forget about it As I was telling you Vince You told me today when we had a little uh, meeting a certain somebody had to be here today or else you were gonna fire him and when I was in that room I did a little reminiscing with that certain somebody. The certain somebody that paid us a visit, Vince. Yeah. A, a, a certain somebody that, that has defied many odds, Vince. Our own, our own Zachary Gowan. What? <laughs> oh my God, he was sitting on him. <laughs> How you doing, Zach? <laughs> How are you, buddy? Get over here. Get over here. How are you, Zach? Oh, you're not talking today, huh? You're not talking, huh? You're not saying anything? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Let me, sit back. Let me ask you a few questions, Zachary. How's your leg doing, buddy? How is it? Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Rock, I, wait a minute. I, even from way, down here, I I can see that. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's see, a special wheelchair. No, no, that's no, no. not an ordinary wheelchair. Yeah, it's
5: not an ordinary wheelchair, Vince. Get over. Here. Get over. Here. Oh, what? What? What, the-
2: what kind is it, Brock? I mean, what kind of wheelchair is that?
5: This uh this wheelchair, Vince. Mm. <laughs> you see, I got some friends down here. This is a special wheelchair, Vince. This is a very fast wheelchair. You see, it's it's jet powered. It's got afterburners and everything, Vince. That's right, it does, Zach. Fuel injection? Are you calling me a liar? Ah! (laughs) That's right. You see, excuse me for a minute, Vince, because uh,
10: I got some business I got to tend to. Before you leave us, I mean, I'm just wondering whether or not this is the night that Zach Gowen regrets ever signing his WWE contract.
5: Oh, yes, it is, Vince. You see, it is you that has brought the monster out in me. And it's me that's going to prove it!
7: (laughs) Have a good night, Brock, wherever you guys are
2: going. There you have it. Brock Lesnar is, uh, I guess, maybe assisting is the word. Sort of assisting Zach Allen. Back someplace, I don't have any
10: idea where he's going. At least I don't think I do. But nonetheless, let's hear it for a true athlete. Oh, oh wait a minute. What's oh, your
7: leg, Zach?
5: Oh, it? Zach? Where are we going? You have no idea! You have no idea what I'm gonna do to you! Huh? Look at this, Zach! Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Get a good look at that! Look at that! You see that? Huh? That's all on you, Zach. You see? Now stop We can do this the easy way, or we can do it hard. Stop it. Stop it, Zach. Listen to me. Let me wheel you up there. I want you to get a good look at this, Zach.
6: Quit hitting
5: me, it! Take a good look at this, Zach. Look at that. That's a long ways down there, ain't it, boy? Oh, Vince wants to see the monster in me, huh? No. Huh? Just relax now. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. That's it. Here we go. Ha- huh? Come in. Go! Oh, <laughs> What's the matter? You don't want to go down there? All right, Zachary. All right, buddy. Get five, so here's your chance. Take a little run, Zach. Take your time, buddy. How's your leg doing? It looks like it's doing okay. Huh? How is it, Zach? Now, talk to me, Zach. Tell me what you're feeling right now. Me too, Zach. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling real angry. Come here while I'm talking to you. Look at me. Right here. Vince wants me to be the monster. Alright? He wants me to be the monster. Get over here. Come here. What's the matter? Your leg hurt? Does it hurt? I like it, Zach. I like it. Vince wants to slap me to see the who... who He wants to see a monster. Don't move, all right? Now. Now. Come here. does oh. it hurt right there. I tell you that this chair is a magic chair. That's right, Zach. This is a magical chair. Why is it a magical chair, you ask? Because it flies, Zach. It flies. That's why. That's why, Zach. Now don't get over here. Come here, Zach. Come here, buddy. Come here. Get up. Sit down. Come here. Look out. You done messed with the wrong human being, boy. <laughs> huh? Get away. I'm going to make it easier. I'm going to make it easier on you. You don't have to feel this now. You don't even have to feel it. It's choke the actor, so you don't even know. So
7: you don't even know you're feeling it. Come on. I'm making it easy on you. That's what I'm doing, Zach. I'm making it real easy for you. Easy, rock Rock.
5: Huh? No. I'm it easy. The
6: monster
4: 2005, TNA announces that they signed Gail Kim. Now, originally when she was brought in, she was the manager for Jeff Jarrett, the manager of America's Most Wanted. She would wrestle a little bit, but before you know it, she became the focal point of the knockouts division and deservingly so, one of the top, top women's wrestlers of this generation, without a doubt. She just really did a phenomenal job in TNA. Same week, 2005, WWE tapes their first Friday Night SmackDown. If you've been following these weeks, you know, they were moving to Friday nights. Unfortunately, the first taping, they did only a 1.9 rating. It was the lowest rating in the show's history. Yeah, they would ultimately rebound a little bit. But, you know, keep in mind, a lot of people were blaming the low rating at that time because there was a lot of benefit shows on TV for victims of Hurricane Katrina, So a lot of people thought that fans just decided not to watch wrestling on Friday night. I remember back in 05, a lot of fans telling me that they forgot that WWE was moving to Friday nights. So it was a little bit of an adjustment period for fans. But uh, you look back at the matches that night, you know, was it really anything to write home about as well? You had Heidenreich and Road Warrior Animal over uh, Joey Mercury and Johnny Nitro. Ken Kennedy over Paul London, Paul Burchill over Scotty Tuhati, Eddie Guerrero uh, beat Rey Mysterio in the steel cage, which actually was a pretty decent match. Chris Benoit beat Orlando Jordan in 20 seconds to retain the U.S. title, and Batista over JBL in a bull rope match to retain the world heavyweight title. 2006, Jack Swagger and Tyrus both make their pro wrestling debuts, and they actually both debuted on the same event took place for DSW's Park Slam event in Austell, Georgia. I hope I pronounced the town the right way. Uh, Jack Swagger wrestled under the name Jake Hager, and he defeated Ray Gordy that night. Tyrus made his debut that same night. He wrestled under the name G-Rilla, and unfortunately lost his debut match against Tommy Swade. 2007, Andrew Martin, who we knew as Test, God rest his soul, he is released from TNA. A month ago, we talked about how TNA had signed him. Um, Less than two weeks after his uh, release, he was arrested, charged with driving under the influence. He got arrested again. He had the problem with steroids. I mean, the steroids issue was the number one reason why TNA let him go. You just watch his only match that he had in TNA. This guy was really blown up. And unfortunately, he was totally out of control. And we know what ultimately happened to Andrew Martin. It's very, very sad but um, this is one of those cases where, you know, at that time, a lot of people, when we were doing shows, we were talking about how uh, Dixie Carter and TNA looked the other way with a lot of major stars and they were having abuse problems. I mean, I don't want to get into any singular names, but even lower card wrestlers have done interviews years later and talked about how wasted they were during their time at TNA at this time. So the fact that TNA let Andrew Martin go anyway, Sure, it wasn't a focal point, but after one match, they I think that they were just scared shit like, no, 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 this, this this guy takes it to a whole new level. So, Same week, TNA had their No Surrender event in Orlando, Florida. Show basically was focused around Kurt Angle defending all of TNA's titles because if you remember, we covered how he won the winner-take-all match against Samoa Joe, and we also had the in-ring debut of Pac-Man Jones. And we know the debacle of Pac-Man Jones. I don't know why TNA not only still put this guy in a ring, but actually fucking gave him a tag title. He teamed up with Ron Killings. Yes, Ron Killings did all the work. Adam Jones was not allowed to wrestle. I don't know why. I mean, I, I know why. I mean, publicity and this and that. But the minute that all his legal shit was thrown your way and this guy can't wrestle, you know, no. Fucking let him go. You know, you turn around and say, "Look, you know, we signed you so you can actually compete in matches." But not only did they still put him in matches where he didn't wrestle at all, they gave him a tag title. Come on, how fucking ridiculous is that? Same week for the Impact tapings, the Rikishi made his debut for TNA. He wrestled his Junior Fatu. He lost his debut match against Christian Cage. Um, and he would leave the company just a month later uh, over pay dispute. So he was in and out of TNA almost as quick as Andrew Martin. On the WWE side this week in 2007, the biggest storyline. Now, remember, this is now where WWE is now starting to go PG completely. Attitude era is done. And WWE went with this storyline. Now, keep, let me go one step back. Vince McMahon blown up in a limo, dead. Deceased, You know, controversy online. People thought that Vince McMahon really died. So now you have the Benoit murders. Vince McMahon ultimately goes on TV a little bit quicker. And the storyline was that Vince faked his death to see how what would people say about him. Okay, fine. I have no problem with that. But then they decided to do a paternity storyline where Vince McMahon was served with paternity papers that someone... Uh, is a bastard son of his And it was this week in 2007 We found out who that bastard son would be I didn't blow this clip up at the very end Even though I really wanted to I had to save it If I ever blow up a clip on the show It is the absolute drizzling shits And I saved that for the end of the show For this week But man, when this went down It's no secret I was never really a fan of Hornswoggle at all When they put him with the DX stuff, it was fucking horrendous. You know, the stuff with Vince McMahon. I always joked on old episodes of the DTKC shows because we were doing shows at that time. When they did the segment where Vince was, you know, like beating up Hornswoggle with the lights off and it was just simulating that he was beating him up. You know, that's like, you know, a, a mindgasm for me. You know, just as a wrestling fan, like, I fucking couldn't stand Hornswoggle. I love that story. Do I want to see a little midget getting beat up? No, not in real life. But in storyline-wise, I fucking loved how they were trying to play off that he would be abused. I hated the storyline. And this week, let's just paint this picture. You have a whole shitload of wrestlers around ringside. CM Punk, others, Champions, Raw, SmackDown, ECW, they're all ringside Vince McMahon is in the ring all by himself And he got this fucking Matarats playing the lawyer I guess representing Hornswoggle And this guy for like a week or two Leading up to this was the Drizzling Shits Also I remember his name It was like a generic name I mean you'll hear it now but This is basically how they did the reveal This week in 2007
10: One of these men One of these men Is privileged to be my bastard son. Who will claim the name
3: of that man?
10: We've been waiting. Surely I have been waiting
2: long enough to find out. So this attorney, whatever your name is, Johnson Jackson, which one of these men,
8: is my son? Uh-oh. Which one is my- Mr. McMahon, in accordance with my client's wishes, before I disclose who your son is, my client has a series of messages of who your son is not. Your illegitimate son is not extreme.
10: All right, well, that would mean,
2: I assume that would mean anyone who is extreme, anyone who's ECW,
10: you're out. Sorry, but out, out. ECW's out. CM Punk, you too.
6: Out.
2: And a champion, CM Punk. And thank God it's not Balls Mahoney. Ow, could have been you. Hey, Tommy. That's a rather rowdy-looking bunch. Anyhow, I'm very happy my son is not. Not extreme, although quite frankly, sometimes I've been knowing the be a little extreme. Once a while. Oh, time to time. All right, so my son is uh, not extreme, then uh, who would my son be there, Mr. Johnson?
8: Your son has a fondness for gold.
2: I think that means your son is a champion? All right, anyone who is a current champion or a former champion, you stay. The rest of you, take off. My son is a champion. I'm sort of liking this now. We're whittling this thing down. Axon Jim Duggan is old enough to be my father. We're narrowing it down, sir.
10: Look at this. Champions all! Yeah. Alright, so, uh, since we're playing
2: along with this little riddle game here, what's our
8: next clue? Your son's skin is fair. My son's skin? You mean my son is Caucasian?
2: I mean, you mean mean my son is Caucasian?
10: Well, that would mean, uh, if you're not Caucasian, uh, then leave. Mark Henry.
2: I'm sorry, I don't don't make the rules around here, okay? Don't blame it on that woman. Don't blame it on me.
14: Al Sharpen just exhaled.
2: coach we've already established you're not my son you can stay all right my son uh, is caucasian he's fair all right so uh what else i right, have before you guys before we get our next clue everybody get in the ring come on everybody get in the ring oh yeah group hub
14: family reunion Dysfunctional family
8: reunion, perhaps? Oh my gosh, look, there's Kane over there. (laughs) Your son's skin is fair, as is his hair.
9: My son's skin is is fair, as is his hair.
3: Um...
2: You're not qualified, unfortunately. Uh, that would mean anyone who has blonde hair, I suppose, can stay, and those who have dark hair are not my son. I'm sorry, Jamie. I, I can see. No. No.
14: Matt Hardy eliminated. Sorry. I, I don't think so. No. Not Randy Orton, either. Uh,
2: told you before, Kennedy may be from Green Bay, but he's been suspended for impersonating a McMahon. <laughs> Alright. Alright, uh, you want to help me out here, a Professor? We're narrowing it down now.
8: Individual.
2: Well, you're saying that my, my son is, uh, he's Caucasian blonde hair, a champion, but is he You saying he is individual gold or tag team gold? Which is it? Who? Is my son of individual gold? Is that what you're telling me? Damn it, talk to me! Yes. Individual. Sorry, gentlemen. It's not, Cade, not Cade or Murdoch. Where are the cable guys safe? Peter her done.
10: All I I can say is that two out of the three here
2: could be disastrous for me. So, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Johnson,
9: who is my bastard son?
8: One final clue. Your son loves to play the game.
2: you're my son, then that means that you and
14: I don't like this any more than you do, all right?
10: Something's wrong with this. This is not right. I, this is
8: not right. Your son, Mr. McMahon, does indeed love to play the game. Whether that game be hide and seek, horseshoes, or as seen last Friday night on SmackDown, Marbles. Stop talking in riddles! Who's my son? Things are looking up, Mr. McMahon, but not for you, for your son. Horn swoggle.
2: Just lost the will to live Mr. McMahon
6: What a a Hallmark moment
4: 2008 WWE has their Unforgiven Pay-Per-View from Cleveland, Ohio I believe this is the last ever Unforgiven Pay-Per-View They changed the name after this year Now what was interesting about this event Is they introduced to us Championship scramble matches I don't know if you remember this or not There were 20-minute matches, and basically, um, it was similar to, like, hardcore rules. You know, you can have falls count anywhere, and you could have pins during this 20 minutes. The problem is, is that whoever is the champion at the very end is your champion, So I'll give you an example of how this went down. Now keep in mind also, wrestlers came out in intervals. So you had Matt Hardy who came out first. You had another wrestler come out second and blah, 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 blah. But for the ECW Championship, Mark Henry was the champ going into this match. There were five different decisions done during this championship scramble. Chavo Guerrero had pinned Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy then pinned Chavito. Matt Hardy pinned Chavito again. Then Finley had pinned Matt Hardy, but then at the very end, Matt Hardy pinned The Miz. So because Matt Hardy had the final decision in that match, Matt Hardy ended up being your ECW Heavyweight Champion. Now, on the WWE Championship side, Triple H going into this match was the champion. He had the final pin in this match. So he's the only person that went in as champion and came out as champion. Jeff Hardy had pinned the Brian Kendrick. The Brian Kendrick had pinned Jeff Hardy. Triple H then pinned the Brian Kendrick. Jeff Hardy then pinned MVP. Triple H pinned Kendrick. Jeff Hardy pinned Kendrick. But then at the very end, Triple H pinned MVP. So Triple H retains the title. On the World Heavyweight Championship side, you had um, CM Punk, who is the heavyweight champ. Now, people will always remember Unforgiven 2008 is because what happened earlier in the night. This was the event, this was the night where CM Punk was the heavyweight champion, but earlier in the night, he got attacked backstage from Legacy. Cody Rhodes, Ted DiBiase Jr., Randy Orton, and Manu. And I remember doing episodes of the DTKC show at that time, and Manu just never clicked, never fit in, and it just didn't work But, uh, you know, if you remember at that time, they did that whole attack to write CM Punk out of this match. Jericho walked out as the champion. I think it was like two and a half years later, Randy Orton had a match and CM Punk interfered. And at that time, nobody knew why he did that. And then people were reminded of this night at Unforgiven where uh, CM Punk was punted in the head by Randy Orton, so there you go. Other matches from that night, Evan Bourne over John Morrison. You had Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase defeating Crime Time. Uh, They retained the tag titles. Shawn Michaels over Chris Jericho in an unsanctioned match. And Michelle McCool over Maris. I believe she retained the Divas Championship. Um, That same week, for those that are just interested, because I know a lot of you watch like, regular awards the wrestler was awarded the golden golden lion for best picture at the venice film festival the golden lion award you know a lot of you probably have never heard of it you know you think of the emmys the academy awards but this is a very prestigious award award that's been given since like 1949 and it's always at the venice film festival and if you actually look over the years some very uh, big movies got this award, so the, the the wrestler was a very big deal in two thousand and eight. Sure, how it intertwined with WrestleMania was not all that good, but still, the movie itself did get uh, a decent number of awards out of it, and deservingly so. Two thousand and nine, Ring of Honor announces by press release that Nigel McGuinness and Brian Danielson would be joining WWE, and as a result. Um, you know they would be leaving the company. Unfortunately, at that time, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, was the only one that signed because Nigel McGuinness failed a uh, physical with WWE, and as a result, Nigel McGuinness would sign with TNA instead, and he would wrestle for TNA for a short period of time. And then there was a lot of medical controversy surrounding Nigel McGuinness. He would end up back in Ring of Honor in 2011. But uh, Nigel McGinnis, you know, I don't want to get into the medical stuff, but at this time in 09, we were under the impression that Nigel McGinnis and Daniel Bryan would be going to WWE. A couple other cool things from this week, 2009, as I opened up with this show this week, CM Punk uh, really trolled the fans. I mean, I'm going to put his photo in a synopsis this week. And... Um, You know, keep in mind, at this time, there was, you know, issues with Jeff Hardy with substances. I remember an infamous meme where CM Punk had a title. And I think somebody wrote like, Jeff, this could have been you or something like that. I know some of you out there will remember that meme because that was everywhere at that time. But Jeff Hardy said goodbye to the fans They panned the crowd, and you saw fans crying. I mean, really, really in tears crying. They thought Jeff Hardy was done and gone. And then CM Punk, who basically defeated him, he decides on this edition of SmackDown, he is going to come out dressed up as Jeff Hardy, complete with face paint, complete with the sleeves, the mannerisms, the jeans. He's doing everything picture perfect, theme music, and for a short period of time, fans in the audience thought it was Jeff Hardy coming to the ring. They immediately realized that it was CM Punk, and CM Punk would cut a very uh, memorable promo. So I know I played a two-minute teaser earlier, but here is the full promo from CM Punk, that night when he impersonated Jeff Hardy and really trolled the fans.
2: Oh. Did you expect somebody else? Well, he's gone. So like a junkie waiting for his or her next fix, I suggest you all... Soak this up while you can because this is the last time you will ever see a trace of Jeff Hardy here on Friday night SmackDown ever again. And that means no more ridiculous face paint. That means. No more stupid armbands. And it certainly means no more excuses. Now that the charismatic enabler is gone, I can see it on your faces. You're all wondering if his living-in-the-moment life of excess was the answer. And the clear answer is it wasn't. See, I know you're all not strong enough to be like me, I see it every day. I know how completely weak all of you people really are. But now at least, you all have a champion you can be proud of. A Straight Edge World Heavyweight Champion. Now that Jeff's gone, I'm the only one that's strong enough to reach out to you and pull you up from your downward-spiraling life. I certainly won't ever miss a show because of an incident at an airport. I certainly won't ever skip a Wrestlemania because I failed a test. Unlike Jeff, I'm built to last, and I am here to stay. So if you're gonna emulate any WWE superstar, the choice is extremely clear. It's the choice of a new generation and his name is C.M. Punk. And then there's The Undertaker, who is a legend. But he is no longer the solitary icon here on SmackDown. I... I am the only back-to-back Money in the Bank winner. I am the man that retired Jeff Hardy. And I'm the first and only straight-edge world heavyweight champion. So if The Undertaker at any moment wants to come down here and test my breaking point, well, I'll be waiting. I'll be waiting for the lights to go out, and for him to appear before my magical eyes. In fact, I know The Undertaker's here right now. So... Yeah. So, Undertaker, if you want to come down here and face me man-to-man, like I said, I'll be waiting. See, ladies and gentlemen, The Undertaker knows it's not in his best interest to face me in the ring, man to man. He would rather lurk in the shadows and play psychological games, which is what you people fall for every single time. See, all it takes. There's a couple of mirrors and some smoke to make you all believers. And smoke being the operative word. You know, I, can, I can imagine you all sitting on your couch, vegging out, smoking your illegal substances, hanging on the Undertaker's every magical trick, ooing and eyeing at all his spooky powers. Well, what The Undertaker fails to realize is that unlike you people, my mind is clear and strong. It hasn't been polluted with barbiturates and poison like beer and cigarettes. So at breaking point, there's not going to be any time for games or tricks. It's going to be two icons in the ring face to face in a fight to the finish. And I love that, I love it because The Undertaker has never faced a guy like me before. I have no breaking point. And all you have to do is look in my eyes and realize that I've laughed in the face of temptation time and time again. I have never tapped out to society's schoolyard attempts at peer pressure. You tried to stick a beer in my hand with the same commercials that have hypnotized all of you people and that sell you all your narcotics and things you're addicted to. Well, I'm harder than any alcohol you can drink. I'm straighter than any line you can snort up your nose. And I certainly can hurt you a lot faster than any pill you put on your tongue.
4: You know, I go back and I listen at that. You know, WWE or CM Punk really wanted to take that one step further. I know this is just nitpicking, but you imagine how much more heat that promo would have given when he was talking about the pyros and everything with Undertaker, that he would have basically said that all that is is special effects guys backstage and all you people fall for it and this, is and that, and it's not mind games I mean, obviously, you know, CM Punk is a team player at the time, and CM Punk is doing what he's told. CM Punk is not this gigantic renegade who is going to basically say whatever the fuck he wants and not care if he gets in trouble or not. If that was the case, this promo could have gotten even darker and even further. But if you notice, there's a couple little things that he stays away from in a lot of these skits, and that's because he's an employee of a company. You know, I mean, look, I know CM Punk is the voice of the voiceless and a team player, and he's one of the best uh, of our generation, bar none. Excellent on the mic, excellent in the ring. Definitely wish that he was back in wrestling, you know, before, you know, he gets way too old. But um, still, I thought that this promo was very entertaining and it did its job. Now, Where it cuts off, Matt Hardy would ultimately hit the ring and get into it with CM Punk a little bit. But, you know, at that time, Matt Hardy didn't have the persona he has now. And the fans were into Matt Hardy, but nowhere near as much as Jeff Hardy. So another thing happened this week of 2009 on WWE TV. And anybody that's been following me for years knows I never liked the guest hosts, I hated them. There might have been five total that I actually was like, all right, all right, I could deal with it. This week in 09, my favorite guest host appearance of all time. It puts a smile on your face, it's funny, and I'll just let it speak for itself. This week, 2009, The Price is Raw. (laughs)
7: television's most exciting two hours of fantastic
10: prizes, The Fabulous Price is Raw! And now, please welcome the star of The Price is Raw, a broadcasting legend, 19-time Emmy Award winner,
2: and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Priceless Memories,
7: your guest host, Bob Barker!
3: Wonderful welcome. Thank you. I thank you for that wonderful welcome. I wish I had a refrigerator for every one of you. And that, thank you. That, I tell you, that huge ovation. That splendid welcome, that splendid reception, tells me we are really going to party tonight. Oh, I do thank you. You are my kind of people, I can tell that. You. You are the folks, you are the folks who have kept me working in television for more than a half a century, and I love you for it. Wow! Thank you, Bob. If it hadn't been, if it hadn't been for people like you, I would have had to go out and get a job. (laughs) But tonight, tonight I have the job of playing a pricing game for you and as you well know from having watched the show over the years to play a pricing game I have to have contestants and we have we have a fine announcer named Howard Finkel and Howard will you get me four contestants please will do Bob Santino Marilla,
2: come on down! Santino, there it is! That. Oh, there look is. at how excited Santino is! Oh, look
3: at—here him. He it comes! Julia I Jericho, come on oh, I can tell he's
6: possible. I can
3: tell he's popular. Where is he? Where, Where's Chris? Where's Chris? Chris, where for our job?
2: Chris Jericho! Chris. Come on down! Chris, you're being paid.
3: <laughs> Where's Chris? I don't see. Chris, we're waiting. because he knows that he's getting more camera time. He wants everybody to know he's here. All right, Chris, get down there. Now, now we want to find out what are they going to bid on, please, Howard. Bob, it's the Best of SmackDown 10th Anniversary
2: DVD. <laughs> right. The Best of SmackDown 10th Anniversary. There we the are. three features matches, highlights, the countdown of the top 100 greatest moments in SmackDown history. The DVD comes out September
3: 15th, but it could be yours right now if the price is wrong. Now, I am going to give each of you a bid on that DVD, and the one of you who bids nearest to the actual retail price without going over will win it. Now, audience, you help them with their bids all you want. Give them advice, good or bad. And we're going to start with you, Santino. What do you bid on the DVD? <laughs> Tell me, Santino. I'm so, I cannot believe this. I'm it's a big true. fan, Roberto. What, um, what do you, what I do you bid? I would like to actually buy a vowel, please. Oh. You want a vowel? You've been body slammed too many times. What do you mean a vowel? That's the wrong show. There's no Vanna White here. There's no there's no Pat Sajak here. There are no vowels here. Give me a bid on that DVD. Help the man. I'm not very good with numbers, so... How much, Santino? Um, 1,465... American style dollars, one thousand four hundred sixty-five dollars on a DVD. I don't think he's overbid. Do you? No. Jillian, you can do better than that. What do you bid? You can sing. Sing your bid. Sing your bid for.
12: Okay, Bob. Um...
3: Give me your bid in music. Go ahead. Seventy-five dollars. Seventy-five dollars for Jillian which brings me to you irs what do you think does this bid include taxes <laughs> does this include taxes let's not even think about taxes, well, no taxes. Well, well wait a minute bob everybody has to think about paying taxes well i i know that that's we're not here to discuss that this right. isn't a town hall meeting This is price is right. What do you bid? Well, let me do this. I bid $50 and that includes the taxes. You're including the taxes. His bid is $50. And now Chris, happy boy, what do you bid? Chris. Are you awake? He's in a hypnotic state down there. Give me your bid. Uh Oh, he's headed this way. Chris. It's down there that you bid. Chris, I want your bid. I need the fourth bid to go on here. What do you have to say? What do you bid? You know, Chris, your mother would not be proud of you the way you're behaving. You do know that. First of all, Nobody. The man talks. He's actually speaking. What did you say? What did you say? Please. He's pouting. He's pouting. I told him that his mother would not be proud. He's being naughty, don't you think?
2: (laughs) You watch your mouth, Barker. Let me explain something to you. Yes. Do you understand? Let me explain something to you, old oh, right man. Ahead. Go right ahead. Nobody calls
3: me Chris. No, what? Does no. They call you? you need to I show me respect. Of- yeah. I have been, I'm respectfully asking for your bid. Don't boo,
2: I think it encourages him. You. you need to call me Mr. Jericho. I do. Yes, you do. You need to pander to me and show Five. me respect Five. because I am the best in the world well, at what debatable.
3: I do. That's debatable, well, I'm sure. I'm sure the audience will agree. And I am one half. One uh, one. Uh, Did one. you hear that? Yeah, I, I heard the half. Number one. one. That's your bid. No. One. Oh, one. Man. Get off of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Down there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, That's You may not that is your bid. Get down there, pick up your name tag, now and be a good boy, I'm gonna have to take you over my knee, get down there, get down there, his bid is $1, now we are proceeding, we are proceeding, the actual retail price is $18.90, and believe it or not, Chris Jericho wins with his $1 bid, he wins, much to the dismay of the audience. Chris, get out there and get in that ring. you won the DVD, and we're going to give you a chance to win another prize, are we Howard? Yes, we are Bob, a fabulous trip to
2: Hawaii. Get up in the ring. It's a romantic trip to Hawaii. Enjoy first class round trip tickets for two from Chicago to Honolulu. While in Hawaii, you'll stay for five nights in a beautiful Polynesian-style suite overlooking famous Waikiki
7: Beach. Enjoy sightseeing, snorkeling, and a beachside authentic
3: Hawaiian luau. Aloha. And into the ring, please, Chris. In that ring tonight, if you defeat your opponent, you're on your way to beautiful Hawaii. And tonight, your opponent is this gentleman. Uh-oh.
4: <laughs> now, the stipulation was Chris Jericho was going to have a match against MVP, and if Chris Jericho won the match, he would win a trip to Hawaii. So I think you could figure out what happened in the match. MVP won, and Jericho didn't get his trip. But... Honestly, Bob Barker was excellent. He really was. God bless that man for performing as late in his in life as he did. And he's just a really likable person. And again, I did not like the raw guest hosts at all. Hated most of them. This one, though, I really enjoyed tremendously. And it's definitely one of the top highlights when you look back at the guest, you know, appearances, you know, of celebrities on Raw. 2010, Memphis Championship Wrestling shuts down after Jerry Lawler's business partner, Joe Cooper, leaves the company. Joe Cooper was basically the one doing a lot of the -the behind-the-scenes business, getting sponsors, a lot of finances. Once he left, that pretty much was it. So Memphis Championship Wrestling was done this week, 2010. So now we go to 2012, and without a doubt, the longest segment of the entire night. It's only about 15 minutes. I got four different audio clips spliced together. I think you'll appreciate it. Unfortunately, it was this week in 2012 that Jerry Lawler caught a heart attack while being on Monday Night Raw. Um, If you look back at that night, he opened up doing commentary. He was then involved in a tag team match. He went back to doing commentary And then he passed out, suffered the heart attack, and thank God he was able to recover. Now, what you're going to hear is about a two-minute clip from WWE's documentary where they actually, you hear Jerry Lawler snoring. I mean, really snoring. He just passed out and snoring at the ring, ringside. And then you hear an interview that Michael Cole did, I believe with Sam Roberts, talking about this incident. Then you will also hear Jerry Lawler being interviewed by Steve Austin. When you listen to this interview clip, understand that I don't think anybody out there blames Dolph Ziggler for this heart attack. But I will tell you that if you actually look around online, people's reactions to when this interview took place, they were very upset at Jerry Lawler almost blaming Dolph Ziggler for this heart attack. Now, look, did Jerry Lawler blame Ziggler? I'll leave that up to you. But, Listen to these clips and take a step back to 2012, this week in history. Jerry Lawler, unfortunately, suffers a heart attack during Monday Night Raw.
11: Ladies and gentlemen, I do want to to, uh, preface this by saying that this is not part of our entertainment tonight. This is a a real-life situation. Um, Earlier this evening, my broadcast colleague, Jerry the King Lawler, uh, uh, passed out while working here at Ringside. Uh, he collapsed um, uh, on the ground. He was stretchered to the back, where he received CPR. Um, the latest update we have now is he has been uh, he has been taken to a to a local hospital uh, here in Montreal. Uh, we are being told um, uh, that he is receiving oxygen, but Jerry uh, is uh, is breathing on his own. Um, although this is a, is an extremely extremely serious situation, and uh, you know, Jerry, my friend, my, my prayers are with you. And um, out of respect to Jerry tonight, um, there's going to be no further commentary on this broadcast, and, um, but we hope to provide you with some sort of update before, uh, before
14: we leave the, uh, the air tonight. In September of 2012, we were doing a show in Montreal, Canada. I'm going to be partners with Randy Orton in a match against CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler. Randy Orton and I win the match, get our hands raised, everybody's excited. I come back down, go to commercial break, we sit there and didn't have any inkling of anything being out of the ordinary. All of a sudden, I heard snoring.
11: And I thought Jerry was pretending that he was sleeping, so I turned around to say to him, King, what are you doing? And as I turned around, Jerry was face first on the announce table, and he was literally snoring into his microphone. I said, Doc, get over here. Jerry, Jerry, talk to me, buddy. Jerry, Jerry, talk to me. Jerry. And as Doc ran over, Jerry fell out of his chair, and Mike Mansuri, who was working with us at ringside as an assistant, he actually caught Jerry. Dr. Samson and I, we each grabbed a side of Jerry, and we picked him up and jerry literally just fell like a ton of bricks right out of our hands initially everyone thought it was a seizure because his arm had gone straight so everyone thought that jerry was just seizing until you know doc realized he went this guy's having a heart attack jerry uh obviously what we were talking about was uh back in uh september jerry actually uh had a heart attack on the air right uh, on monday night raw uh, we were in montreal canada we were calling a match and um jerry and i don't look at each other when we work we have monitors at it's
13: gotten side. there huh right and i exactly <laughs> can't <laughs> I, stand the sight I of look each at other my right
11: monitor jerry looks at his left monitor and we were calling a match and all of a sudden i heard jerry snoring mm. now, i thought that he was just like doing that to say that the match was boring right which would he is that something I used to do it when I was a bad guy, so I just figured maybe he was doing it. So yeah. I, uh, I turned around to look at him, and, you know, he was snoring, and uh, then I said, this isn't right, and his head was on the table. Next thing I knew, he went into cardiac arrest. So... Uh you know, thank God, uh, for the doctors and the EMTs and Jerry, you know, made it. And, that
13: had to be the scariest thing you've ever seen. Oh, there. my
11: God. And I've been, I, I worked at CBS News before I worked in this business. Uh-huh. I, I, uh, you know, we always talk about, I always say on the air, especially when I was a bad guy, that, you know, I'm a former war correspondent and a broadcast journalist, but that's true. I, I've i covered wars. I you Which know, I, wars did I I was in uh, Bosnia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a, uh, three tours in Bosnia, um, Sarajevo, uh, and I, uh, I was involved in, uh, the, in Kuwait in the first Persian Gulf War mm-hmm. did a number of different things um so i i'd been in, involved in all kinds of different things from the news business but this is actually something that really affected me because it was a, one of my real good friends who i'd been working with for mm. 15 years and he's right next to you exactly
13: and i just plus, you, plus, i I would think you know when you go to 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 cover war you're expecting like some some crazy shit could happen yeah, and you're you know?
11: not personally invested and in, you don't know anybody that's involved you're, you're not a personally invested in the story yeah, like you're, when
13: you're michael cole and you're just sitting at ringside calling raw right you know you kind of would like to think that you have some idea of what's going to happen
11: and then you have to explain to the world that this isn't Yeah, the show. This is real life. And And you're a bad guy at that time. Well, I was. So, like, (laughs) theoretically,
13: you're like, yeah, yeah, I hope he has a heart attack.
11: I I had to break character, you know, and then the news background came in. Long story short, Jerry made it, thank God, and uh, he's better today and better shape today than he's ever been in his entire life. But he said he died for a second, right? that's what he claims. Wow. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you're not a doctor, but... Exactly, whether you believe that or you don't, (laughs) I mean, whatever he saw. He said he didn't see any light. He said it was completely pitch black till he woke up. Yeah. So we know where he's going when it's all over. uh, He's lived a good life, though, hasn't he? Exactly. So on Wednesday, I remember this happened on Monday on Wednesday, um... Uh, Jerry, uh, his uh, girlfriend had called me from the hospital in Montreal and said, "Listen, somebody wants to talk to you." And I,
13: you know, Jerry's on the phone. I went, Holy shit, Jerry, Jerry Lawler, you had a heart attack two days ago, mm-hmm. and um, and this was like, and when they were reporting this heart attack, it was like, we don't know what's going to happen. This was a bad one. I was told by my producers, uh, probably
11: about a half hour after it had happened, that, uh, listen, Michael, you've got to really. Make sure that you're prepared to deliver the worst. Wow! So now all this stuff's going on. I'm trying to get get all situated in my head how I'm gonna.
13: So in your head, you're thinking how you deliver this. Exactly.
11: That's exactly what I was thinking. And then going off the air, it was almost like it was. I hate to say this, it was almost like it was scripted because going off the air, we got the news in at the last moment that Jerry was hanging in there, and the news looked better. So that Wednesday, he actually calls me, and the uh, uh, he says, uh, "Hey, Michael, it's Jerry," and I'm like. Hey, King! I can't believe you're here. You're alive, and we talked for a few seconds. And I just said, I just want to tell you something. Thanks for ruining my
13: heel run. <laughs> yeah, and that was it.
11: That was babyface
13: again. That was the, the whole thing, and that's where the money is too. You're not making money from WrestleMania uh, matches. No. as a hey, look at those guys in the ring. Being a bad guy
11: is the greatest thing in the world. It is. It really is. It is so much fun, it's
13: and that's easy. That's that's a little more naturally you, isn't it? Of course it is. Well, you know me well. You know me off the air. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Evil Michael Cole comes out. <laughs> that's after some of those wins. Though. Here is the question that I was wondering. A few weeks ago, after all this, you see, you know, you watch this guy have this heart attack. He falls down. They bring him back. He comes back. It's a miraculous thing. So what's he doing eating tater tots on TV? You know how many tweets I got about that? <laughs> you know, I would imagine. imagine. Doing a promotional bit for Sonic, uh-huh. uh, who's a great
11: sponsor of WWE, and they have been for years. And, um, you know, Jerry was eating one of their new items. And <laughs> And I, my Twitter blew up that night. Because, hey, Cole, the
13: guy's had a heart attack I at see you once, and now he's eating fried food. And Lawler <laughs> is sitting there stuffing his face with tater tots. He had five of them in his mouth at once. I go, this was months ago. Not years ago. No, but he, according to Jerry, the doctors say he could eat and do whatever he wants. So he's in better
11: shape and health now than he was before the heart attack. You of don't think about he, Jerry. Jerry has never smoked.
13: No. He's never drank and um... But he but he does cage matches <laughs> at 60 and eats tater tots exactly
11: and he wants to wrestle again he does he does he he loves it would Vince put him in the ring again? Uh, I don't have any idea I don't have any idea
13: will, and I'm, you're not gonna get me to go there either because I don't have any idea what they're thinking well I will say because <laughs> in my mind the human in me would say no I would never put Jerry Lawler in the ring again but I think Vince would oh god damn yeah we'll put him back in the ring uh, he's a promoter yeah so who knows as um, long as you can get Jerry Lawler on TV before he goes in there to say, "I want to do this," right? My
14: hands are clean on
13: this one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
14: If anybody remembers that night, I had a match. You know, a lot of times, and I, I love it when they do it. Uh, you know, they would include me in the show some sort of way and involve me in a match, and and still and still do the commentary at the same time. So start out the show doing the commentary, and then they then they had me involved in a match where it was me and Randy Orton against CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler. And so I, I remember, you know, I got up and I went, I went up and did the match. And I've watched it back several times. It was a hell of a match. I mean, you know, I was, I, I'm always conscious of when I'm in there with those guys. You know, hey, you got to hang with these young guys, man. Right. This is a, this is a young man's business, and and it's just a, a, a thrill to be included in a match every now and then on here. So, but you don't want to look out of place. You know, you don't want to look like, oh my gosh, what's this guy? What's what? Why they got this guy in there? So you know, I'm I, I'm looking at the match and I'm jumping off the. Doing dives off the second rope and 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 all of these sorts of things, drop kicks and 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 that and everything went fine in the match. I do remember Steve I, and I and I still say that this was the partial cause of this thing. Um, I remember and if you watch Dolph Ziggler's matches, this this guy's amazing young talent. This yeah, he's is. Is great and he's really energetic and he's really enthusiastic and sometimes he gets a little overly. Uh, enthused and, and, and he does this move where he'll drop 10 straight elbows on his opponent, you know, get Mm. you down. Well, he, he had me down in the middle of the ring and he starts dropping these elbows. And I remember at about number six or seven, I'm thinking, what the hell happened to the day when we used to be able to do this and not kill our opponent? Right I actually remember thinking that because he was dropping these elbows with every bit of his weight, and i 'm thinking, Jesus, this guy's trying to kill me, and so you know he goes through ten of those and then uh and then of course, we finished the match and 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 uh, oh gosh, Randy Orton and i went we won the match, and then I come back over and I sit down doing commentary, and I felt fine everything was everything was uh was great right and literally it, it was it was it was the Strangest thing, and it's still even strange to talk about it because I'm sitting there. Then I think the next match started, which was Kane and uh, Kane and some maybe Kane and Daniel Bryan against the uh, oh gosh, Titus O'Neil and Darren Young, I believe. Anyway, I remember that that match is going, and literally, Steve, I promise you, it's as if it's as if I'm watching that match and I'm talking uh, to Michael Cole. I'm doing the commentary, and it was as if I'm looking up at the ring and I blink my eyes, and when I open them again. I was in the hospital with a ventilator down my throat, my girlfriend mm. at my side in Montreal, Canada, and it was two days later. Wow. I mean, I had no warning. I had no bad feeling. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, you'll have tingling in your arm, you'll have uh, tightness of your chest or hard to breathe or nothing. Literally, it was like, I, I, you know, I blinked my eyes, I woke up uh, two days later. And I honestly believe it, and in talking to my cardiologist, I think that those elbows may have had an effect. In other words, what, what I had was a sudden cardiac arrest. It, right. was not, it was not the typical heart attack that was caused by blockage or, or clogged arteries or anything like that. It was just, and, and, and people suffer these. They say somebody dies every 90 seconds in the United States of a sudden cardiac arrest, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just your heart stops. For one reason or other, and if there's not some way to get it started again, you're dead, you know. And had this happened to me an hour later or two hours later, and I'd been driving or been back in my hotel room by myself, that would have been it. I would have been gone, you know. Just fortunately, the the uh, our doctor Mike Sampson, our ringside physician, was right there next to me, and the and the paramedics in the back gave me CPR. My heart just stopped. I mean, it didn't and it didn't start beating again for 20 minutes. Yeah, that's I mean, your- they, they worked on me and gave me CPR. For 20 straight minutes until they finally hit me with the defibrillator with those paddles seven times before they got my heart started again. But the funny thing was, when you have these, when you have a sudden cardiac arrest and your heart stops, if if uh, if they, if you have the proper CPR uh, and they can get your heart started back again, a lot of times it just boom, it just kicks right back in and there's no damage. And it's not like uh, you know, it's not like where your heart. If you had a clogged artery and and suddenly part of your heart is deprived of blood flow and oxygen and that part just dies off. Well, I didn't. My I didn't suffer any damage to my heart. No scarring or anything like that. Once they got thanks to the CPR. But once they got my heart stuck, started back again, it was it was as if it didn't happen. Well, I remember I mean, hearing I, about I, it. I felt from that moment on, and to, until today, I, if if you didn't if I didn't know it happened, you couldn't convince me that I that I really had a. a a
9: heart attack. Well, I remember hearing about it, you know, through the news, and, uh, and you know, everybody thought, oh, when he comes around, he's gonna have some brain damage. And you didn't. You returned back to normal.
14: Well, I think that was because, I mean, you know, that was... The word went out that my heart didn't beat for 20 minutes. Right. And I think what most people figured was, uh, my brain and the rest of my body was deprived of blood flow, because, of course, that's what your heart does, for that 20 minutes. But thank God, uh, it was Mike Sampson, the, our, our uh, WWE doctor, and two other paramedics from there in, the, in, um, in Montreal, and they took turns. I mean, because they did it with such force, it they're did. I blown up. One of my ribs. Oh, yeah. They, they did it with such force. It would have been impossible for one person to do that continuously for 20 minutes. But the three of them were able to take turns and keep me, keep that blood uh, with that pressure, keep the blood flowing throughout my body and to my brain that I suffered no ill effects whatsoever.
9: All right, so check it out. You're waking up in the hospital. You got a breathing tube down your throat. What are you thinking? You, you see your girl there. I mean, the last thing you remember is watching the match. Right. What's going through your mind?
14: Well, uh, and we had my girlfriend and I, Lauren, had been in Aruba the week before on a on a wrestling uh, did a wrestling show down there and and a sort of a kind of combination vacation uh, working trip to Aruba, and I just. i didn't remember you know when what went was going through my mind was i didn't re- immediately remember the match or that I had been at, at Monday Night Raw when it happened and uh i couldn't I couldn't even talk with that thing down my throat, so I was, was trying to write and we've saved it. I still got it over here somewhere in the stack of papers the The note that I wrote to her, and the first thing I wrote was, our, are we in Aruba? I thought we were possibly still there. You know, I didn't remember that, that part. Uh, and then, you know, she, she explained to me, but a lot of the stuff I don't, you know, I don't remember. Um, and they say that that's one of the, that's one of the things that, uh, is an after effect of, of, uh, of your heart not beating for that length of time. You know, sometimes you don't remember everything, but it's, it's come back and, and, um, you know it's just, it's just it just was the weirdest thing. I feel like I'm the luckiest person the uh, luckiest person in the world, but I do honestly, and I talked to my cardiologist about it, and he said, absolutely the trauma to my chest from those elbows could have knocked my heart could have been hard enough to kind of knock your heart out of rhythm yeah and you wouldn't know and it would just get and it would start slowly and then just get more and more and more out of rhythm until it just seized up
9: your heart is I, in a cattywampus state as we would say on a Steve Austin show so what's the prognosis you're good you're back at work you're feeling 100% you're good to I go i
14: absolutely feel 100% as a matter of fact i am you know i want to i want to go in and and sit down with uh Vince and say hey i want you know i i want to come back and do something on the show i would love to do uh, get get back involved with uh you know, and have a match or two on Raw or or the pay-per-view. You
9: still like want that. to get back in the ring?
14: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely still want to. You me. ain't I, got that I, out I, of I'm your system yet? To, yes.
4: You still had not got that out of your system? No, never. We're going to wrap this up momentarily. Got two more audio clips to share. You know, one we blow up, unfortunately, so it's not a good one. You'll hear why after, but it's not a Roman Reigns clip. But uh, first, I want to mention 2014 First ever episode of Lucha Underground is taped in Los Angeles, California this week in 14. We didn't see it on TV until two months later, but the three matches that did air, Blue Demon Jr. over Chavito, Son of Havoc over Sexy Star, and Johnny Mundo in the main event defeated Prince Puma. 2015 this week, WWE announces that they have signed Asuka to a developmental deal. At the time, she did get a decent amount of buzz here in the United States and a lot of people did not know anything about her uh, because she is now become a household name amongst wrestling fans that follow WWE. Sure, you may not have liked the way WWE has utilized her somewhat on her main roster career, but because of her, you've been introduced to other wrestlers from Japan, and I'm telling you, Io Shirai, been hyping it up for quite some time now. Remember that name. That's all I'm going to say. But it was this week in 15 that they signed Oscar to a developmental deal. Same week, 2015, on Monday Night Raw. Now, last week... We talked about how Seth Rollins, you know, WWE was celebrating Seth Rollins. They were going to do a ceremony, reveal a statue. They have this cover in the ring. You have Triple H and Stephanie and Seth Rollins in the ring. They do the drum roll, and then it's revealed to be Sting. And Sting beats the fuck out of Seth Rollins. So now we're one week removed from that. We're on Monday Night Raw, and everything is going wrong for Seth Rollins. This week in 15 on Raw, he loses two matches, including the main event, which was Seth Rollins and the New Day, losing to John Cena and the primetime players. And then after the match was over, we thought that Raw was going off the air. And then all of a sudden we hear Sting's crow. And he is shown in the back with Seth Rollins' statue. And he tells them to turn the lights on and he reveals a garbage truck. So you have Sting in the back, with the statue and a garbage truck. You have Seth Rollins in the ring, and this is basically what happened.
2: Triple H wanted to prepare Seth Rollins for not a champions. I don't think this is what Seth Rollins had in mind for tonight. And now, what does Rollins do to regroup John? But it may be exactly what the authority had in mind.
3: Oh, oh,
2: wow, rough night, huh, Seth?
9: And you never came to get this.
11: There's something else I gotta show you. Lights,
3: please.
7: Whoa, whoa, Woo! Man, it stinks!
2: Yeah, it's, it's a trash truck. Start your engine!
4: Seth Rollins would have a temper tantrum. You know, it's not the real statue, blah, 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 whatever. It sounded, it was good visual. You know, the statue being crushed in a garbage truck. It made a really good sound when it was being crushed. That was WWE's idea with this. And Sting being a little bit goofy and, you know, laughing. I remember it was Sting versus Seth Rollins coming up on pay-per-view. Now, we know what transpired in that match, and, you know, we haven't had Sting wrestle since but this was the build-up sting versus seth rollins 2016 the final audio clip for this episode i'm only sharing it because it's on the level of this is your life with the bailey alexa bliss stuff you remember recently they had the fucking three people come out and uh what would they fucking represent and it wasn't new day they had um, like three guys in the ring and they would play. Oh, they were the sisters of Bobby Lashley. I mean, this is drizzling shit segments. Another one took place in 2016. And the reason why I'm sharing it, and it's not long, just pay attention to the crowd noise. I mean, there is no crowd reaction at all all at any of this usually even if you were the worst fucking wrestler on the card if you started doing a catchphrase or something you get fans that'll just go along with it just for the fuck of it the fans were just not into this at all it was just crickets it was horrendous and basically the segment was you had Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows who had recently retired the Dudleys we covered that I think a week or two ago that the Dudleys had their last match for WWE after their return So now you had Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, they were gonna be fighting the New Day, I believe at Night of Champions. So they decided they were gonna do a skit on Monday Night Raw, and they were going to bring out what the New Day would look like 30 years from now. So Gallows and Anderson introduce us to the old day.
2: I'm Luke Gallows. And I'm Carl Anderson. We're retirement specialists. After retiring the Dudley boys, we now have our sights set on retiring the New Day as Raw Tag Team Champions at Clash of Champions. That's true, See, We're here to prove to the New Day that they can find just as much fulfillment in retirement as they do as the tag team champion. So tonight, we want to show all of you exactly what the New Day is like under our Care in the future. So without further ado, from the octogenarian leisure... No, nah, man. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. From the Gallows and Anderson old farts home, yeah. Yeah. Please join us in welcoming the old day. Come
7: on. <laughs> oh, Kansas City, don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power. It's an old day yes. God, look at him!
10: Wow!
2: Oh. oh boy! Kofi! Kofi! Those suspenders are so booty! So booty! So booty! Is that old Xavier? Or is that old Tommy Chong? <laughs> hey, old Big E! Old Big E! Don't drool on yourself or fall asleep at the wheel or... My God, his gut, his gut <laughs> is in front of the steering wheel! <laughs> hey! Look at the size of that tiny trombone. I guess what they say is true. With old age comes shrinkage. (laughs) Let's help them in the ring. Come on. Right here, guys, this way. Come on, old fellas. This way, right here. Come on, you you. Hey, Hey, old Biggie. Hey, hey, man. Come on. All right, come come on, right here, up here. Let's go. Yep. This one could use some glucosamine. Come on, old fella. Come on. Come on, here you go. All right, I got your walker. Watch your gut there. Try to steady yourself. Grab your mic. Woods. Come
6: on.
9: Here. Come on, Jose. All together now.
6: Okay, Jeez. All right,
2: guys. I just have one question. Yeah. What in the hell happened to you? Yeah.
7: Well, at Clash of Champions, you guys beat the PP out of us. Oh, oh, oh. PP? What do you mean, PP? That's right. I said it. The power of positivity.
2: Oh. Oh, 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 the P.O.P. Ski. I, I get it. Yeah, uh, Dr. Woods, Dr. Woods, in your medical opinion, how have we treated you in the future? Ah. Oh, geez, he, he can't hear me. It might be the hair. It might be the earwax. I don't know. He's a little older. Dr. Woods, in your medical opinion. Hang on. Hang on. Let me get our old Frenchy here. Our old French. He still can't hear me. It's, things aren't going well here. Okay, hey. Dr. Woods, in oh, your mouth! Oh, Dr. Woods, Dr. Woods, oh, oh. oh. My DMs open up, finally
7: kicking in. Oh, I remember, I got hit up by old, old Choo Choo Betty Lou from old Kalamazoo. Choo
6: Choo, oh, I
7: remember choo-choo. one time she right, had, whoa, whoa, whoa.
2: Nobody right, wants right, to hear any of those old hey. fogey stories from back then, hush, yeah. be quiet. That's, that's disgusting. Just like you currently, old Biggie, I mean, you, you've clearly let yourself go. Yeah, Biggie, you've clearly given up. I mean... I mean, your, your pectorals are, are below your waistline. Yeah. But you know what? I came out here fully prepared to serve you with some Metamucil, but uh, you've clearly already soiled yourself. <laughs> <sighs> You damn right! Oh, oh hell no. No. no! I ain't done yet. Let's see if I can shake some of this stuff
7: out. Oh, exactly. You ready? WWE World Tag Team Champion! My hip! My
4: It was just piss-bore horrendous. And, you know, when you first hear New Day's music, I didn't play that. You know, you, you hear the fans like, oh, thank God, you know, oh, it's, it's somebody's interrupting. But even when they started coming out and they cut their promos, crickets again. It's one of the most deadest crowds that I have ever seen with a segment. Even with some of those other segments that I talked about, the crowd would speak out and do, what, what, what? Have you noticed? They didn't even do that in this segment. They were just so disinterested in it. And finally, 2017, WWE Monday Night Raw, the main event was Braun Strowman defeating Big Show in a steel cage. I know a lot of you remember that. And we also had on SmackDown... This week in 2017 with Dolph Ziggler was coming out uh, as different characters. He came out as Randy Savage. Then he came out as John Cena. Then he came out dressed as Naomi. He was doing all these different types of entrances, which people did not like. I just thought it was flat out stupid. But it happened this week in 2017. Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday, Raider Crippler Stevens, Eddie Barker, Rex King, Whitey Whitler, El Sanguinario, Mike Clancy, Johnny Seals, Ida Mae Martinez, Kingfish Levinsky, Ox Anderson, Brian Cox, Lee Grable, and Mablo Cordoza. Happy birthday to all of you. God rest your souls. Mr. Wrestling number two turns 84. Pat Barrett, 77. Jerry Jarrett, 76. Superstar Billy Graham turned 75, The Great Kabuki, 70, El Hijo del Gladiador and Don Morocco turned 69, Greg Nahama valentine and Steve Kern turned 67, Spectro Jr. and Corporal Kirshner turned 61, The Barbarians, 60, Wendy Richter, 57, George South, 56, Takashi Okamura and Raven turn 54. Cannonball Grizzly, 49. Maverick Wild, Shane, and Shannon Ballard, along with Lodi, turned 48. Yuji Sugawara and David Arquette turned 47. Shane Sewell, 46. Derek Nightkirk and Mirko Krokop, 44. El Sikopata, 43. I'm proud of my pronunciations this week. Matt Morgan, 42. Molly Holly, Awesome Kong, Mike DiBiase Jr., and Minoru Fujita, they turned 41. Rebel turns 40, low-key Queen Maya and Slick Wagner Brown, along with Justin Time and Dave Greco, they all turn 39. Jillian Hall turns 38, Bambi Killer, Mini Mr. Aguilar and Yamato turn 37. Braun Strowman and Aaron Williams turn 35. Ken Dixon and Drake Younger, 34. Xavier Woods, LT Summers, Colin Delaney and Yoruba turn 32. Wesley Blake, 31, AR Fox, 30, and happy birthday, Sarah Logan, she turns 25. Notable debuts this week, Kevin Nash in 1990, Quiet Storm in 98, d ray 3000 in 2000, Tony Nese in 2005, Jack Swagger and Tyrus in 2006. And finally, those who passed away this week in wrestling history, Lord Littlebrook died at age 87, Charo Aztec at 86, Max Wolosik and Enrique Torres at 85, Billy Darnell and Moose Morawski at 81, Porter Tyndale at 79, The Great Antonio and Leroy McGurk at 77, Wong Buck Lee at 76, Little Tokyo at 71, Emilio Charles and Tarzan Taborda at 70, Fritz Von Erich at 68, Johnny Case 66, Mike Hodgewood at 63, El Bulldog 62, Sapphire, Butcher Brannigan, and Eduardo Perez at 61, Mablo Cordoza at 60, George Tregos and Randy Morse died at 58, Kerry Brown 51, Maurice Tillet at 50, Sean O'Hare 43, Leroy Brown and Brian Hildebrand died at 37, Scott Irwin died at 35, and L Sanguinario passed away at age 34. And with that, I thank you very much for listening to This Week in Wrestling History. I will be back next week with episode 37. Follow me on Twitter, at DonTonyD. The website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony, at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC Show. And if you like what we do, and you want to help support the shows financially, keep these free for everyone, help us keep these bills in order, consider our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Don Tony. We have hundreds upon hundreds, close to a 1,000 hours of Patreon-exclusive shows there. Every other week, yours truly Amish, do a show called Breakfast Soup. It's a combination of wrestling soup and breakfast with Blossie. Every other week, for those who always wanted a Kevin Castle solo show, you have Castle Chronicles there. You also have pay-per-view predictions contests, uh, giveaways. We have early releases of this show, other shows, ad-free episodes of DTKC, Brexelblasi, and others. There's a lot going on over there. And we're just starting a holiday rotisserie contest as well. So you might want to check out. So patreon.com slash Don for as little as five bucks. You get everything I just mentioned. So everyone be well. Enjoy. And please send your feedback as always. It is very much appreciated. I do read everybody's and believe me, some of your ideas and feedback have changed these shows a little bit over the year. So please, if you wanna give any ideas or feedback, please send it. It's always appreciated. Everyone take care. I'll catch you all soon. Ciao.
0: I'm enrolling in Medicare soon and it had me a little confused. Then I found myhealthpolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. agent myhealthpolicy.com.
12: You can go from I should start a podcast to actually starting a podcast with Spreaker. Spreaker's tools allow you to record, manage, distribute, and monetize any podcast idea, whether it's about your business or even your cat. And as your podcast grows, Spreaker helps you manage your success and even monetize it. That means all you need to get started is a microphone and a really good idea. Learn more and get 30% off at Spreaker.com slash get started. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R dot com slash get started.